1: my my ora. Welcome to Mud and Blood, a podcast dark and grim, uh, especially at the moment because down here it's fucking miserable and I haven't seen the sun until today. So today <laughs> was the first time in two weeks I've seen the sun and stood outside without being instantly soaked. I thought um, Matt's ancestors travelled around the world to get away from this shit, but here we are, living through it. And twenty twenty, the worst of all timelines. My name is Liam, and joining me today is my co-host Matt. Sup, so, brother? How are you doing? Yeah,
2: yeah, fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna go there. It's cool. It's cool. Um, yeah, we haven't had we had weather here has been a bit funny. We had uh, we had some really hot, like thirty close to thirty degree uh, Celsius weather. Yeah last week and then since then it's been like 10 to 15 degrees rainy cloudy very weird yeah Yeah. right the height of summer here in the northern hemisphere yeah are you um are you rocking a rocking a heater oh yeah yeah
1: i got i got i have like a smart timer for my heater so it turns on and off at certain times and stuff um and it's a must it's an absolute must (laughs) having the heater turn on sort of Half an hour before you get out of bed in the morning, just to take that edge off. You know, it's not enough to warm up the whole room, but it means you can get out of bed without yeah. wanting yeah. to. You know, turn yourself inside out. So it's um, yeah, it's it's a must. It's been and like like I said, it's been raining for um two weeks now, and then this morning like it, it stopped raining overnight. So this morning the car was just frozen, absolutely frozen. And not like the good, nice white frost that you can scrape off either,
2: like the rain on thick. It's like it's been coated in um in varnish. Yeah,
1: yeah. 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 it was That was outside. That just, bullshit. Oh,
2: it sucked, yeah. man.
1: It sucked so hard. <laughs> I was just having flashbacks to the military. Like, fuck my life. <laughs> but um, yeah, the sun's back, so it's not all bad. The mountains are beautiful, covered in snow. So you know, it's um. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. It's ups and downs, but. Uh, Oh man, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but it seemed appropriate given today's subject. Um, Mm. A a revisit to Warhammer Fourth Edition. Um, Yeah, since we've we've played a campaign now. Um, which is something we don't often have the luxury of doing when we review a game. Often when we review a game, not always. The exception is on Free League, obviously, because you play most of the Free League titles. But um, generally we review these games. We might get a game or two in before we review them. um, And then, yeah, there might be a game here or there afterwards, but it's not often we get a full campaign out of them. Um, So it it was interesting that we reviewed 4th Edition before we properly played it, and then... Now we've played it and you know, Warhammer and this channel go together like, you know, cheese and gravy on poutine, you know, like it's it's something that we've always uh it's brought us together to start with. And um and everyone who listens to us seems to really give a shit about Warhammer. <laughs> so it makes sense that we go back and uh and share some thoughts and all that stuff, especially considering um I know for a fact there's people out there who have bought copies of the game based on our review previously, and it would be good yeah. to sort of update them on some feelings.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, and if people are wondering if you're new to the channel because of, let's say, carrying company brought you here, um, we reviewed fourth edition over a year ago, May of 2019. It's Fuck, episode really? 43. Yeah, episode 43, and. It went live just after our session zero for Carrying Company. So um, it kind of that's how we kind of timed it. We kind of timed it all to a line. Um, but yeah, yeah. That's a year ago when we reviewed it. As Liam said, it's now been... And this is the big caveat for this as well. Um, it's been seven months since we last played Carrying Company. Yeah. Um, since our campaign finished in terms of recording-wise, right? Yeah. Um, so we've been having discussions with people on Discord. Um, I I have almost completely ducked out of the Rat Catchers Guild. I don't really go in there very much anymore. Yeah. Um, but I know the the discussion is ongoing in there as well about the, the pros and cons of 4th Edition. Yes. <laughs> um, oh, it's a deep yeah. game, man. Like, it's deep. There's a lot yeah. going on. It's something which, yeah.
1: you know, you read it the first time and you're like, okay, I think I get it. And then you play it and, like, even... Uh, like most people say, it takes a good campaign to learn a system. Um, I think this this one's like a two or three. <laughs> like, I think you really got to knuckle down to really get your head around it, and even then, um, yeah, it's yeah, there's a lot yep. going on, there's a lot for us to talk about, I think. Um we might upset
2: a few people who spent a bit of money <laughs>
1: previously, but that's okay.
2: Well, I don't know. Like I've I've spent I've spent a fair bit of money on it too. So same. And I have a collector's had... edition. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so you I, spent even more money I, than me.
1: You know, I've got the fucking collector's edition shitting on my shelf. And I look at it every morning when I get out of bed, because it's right there. <laughs> oh. Yeah.
2: oh well. So yeah, I I mean we're kind of we're kind of alluding to the fact that, or it might sound like we're we're kind of spoiling our revisit by saying that we hate the game. Um, that's not necessarily the case, um, and we're going to split this re- this recap this revisit up into three parts. First part is we're gonna we're gonna do the let's talk about what we like about fourth edition, having played a campaign of it. Then we're going to talk about what we don't like. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to talk about some of the issues that people are going to say, "Hey, well hold on, you didn't mention this or that. Why, you know, it's broken, it's terrible, or it's great. Why didn't you mention these things?" Um, and we'll just quickly give a shout out to those at the end which are things we haven't actually played with, but we are kind of aware that there are issues there. Yeah. Um so, yeah, that's kind of how we wanted to how we wanted to break it up. Um we're not going to cover we have I mean, the idea here is that we're we're focusing on the things that we encountered when we played the campaign. We're not we're not doing a full review where we've you know read every single um, word in the book mm-hmm. two or three times again to try and give a really full like re-review. This is just our um, updated impressions of the game yeah. following a campaign. Gut check. So, it's just a gut check. Yeah. We played it. This so we're not we're not going to be updating. It. Yeah, we're not going to be updating the review or any, like um, scores or anything like that. I don't think it's no. just basically for people have been asking for this. They've, people have been wanting to hear. You know, oh, I'd love to hear um, an update to your review after you've played it now. So, yeah. Absolutely. You get, you get it. You get what you ask for. Yeah. Sometimes.
1: And <laughs> even with the pluses and minuses, and it might sound like, because both of us are quite passionate about Warhammer, obviously. It's a, it's a game yeah. that we enjoy. So, yeah, um, I've described this on uh, Discord as the reason I give it so much shit is because it's a game that was so close to being <laughs> what I wanted in every way. Um, and it's... Uh, the setting I really care yeah. about. So um yeah. so when you care about like for example, they could release a six edition DND and it's terrible and I'd probably not really give a shit because I don't give a shit about DND. So why would I spend all day panning it apart from, you know, just making fun of it. Whereas, you know, <laughs> I very much like Warhammer. <laughs> so when when there's things about it I don't like, I, I notice it more. Um, but saying that, we clearly don't dislike it enough to not want to play it ever again because we're discussing another actual play, which I'm sure we'll discuss on this during this episode. Oh, yeah. Um, so, you know. I'll
2: just add a card to the trellis so we don't forget to do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, in fact, we'll say it right at the beginning so people can... Um, we'll just we'll give a little teaser. Because um, we have mentioned it in a few places, but we will be doing a Season 2 of Carrying Company. Yes. Um, and it's going to take place after Liam's... Uh, Mothership campaign. So we've got Colt starting up. It's just started up again. It's going to run for 12 sessions. Um, they've already been recorded. The last two sessions are being recorded tomorrow. Um, then Liam is starting a Mothership campaign, which is going to be sandboxy, so we don't know exactly how long it's going to last, but possibly around 8 to 12 episodes, maybe maybe a bit more. And once that's finished, we're going to return to Carrying Company. And the idea is... So that Basically, it's going to be starting in like spring to early summer of next year. So it is going to be a little bit of a wait. But we've also decided to change the format a little bit, and we're going to do shorter seasons of, of carrying Company. So we're going to aim for, again, like the 10 to 12 episode mark. But knowing how we run, the or how um, Sean runs the campaigns, it's very difficult to put an exact number on that. But we're going to be trying to do shorter um, shorter seasons, and then we're going to follow it immediately by another um, another game, another actual play, which will also run for around the same length of time. And then we'll return to carrying company. So the idea is we're gonna do carrying company ongoing for as long as Sean wants to do it. <laughs> um, and we're gonna do it, we're gonna do it in kind of like smaller seasons alternating with one in between. So there'll basically be a kind of um, a, a season of carrying company every year. Yeah. And we figured that was kind of the best way to keep it ongoing, to give um, Sean a little bit of a break every now and again to have a think about, you know, whether he wants to change things up a bit with the format or the setting or, or whatever. Not the setting, but like where like where it's being based or, you know, if we want to mix up um, mix up our characters a little bit, he gives him a little bit of a break to continue doing that. And it also gives Liam and myself time to run these kind of short campaigns that we actually also really want to run. So, yeah. Absolutely. Slightly-
1: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, one hundred percent, and um, like also, you know, the first season was so long because one, uh, we only intended to make one, right? And we because we, originally our plan was always every actual play would be a different system because we cover lots of systems on the channel. So when we started Warhammer, one Sean was going deliberately for a very natural feeling campaign. He wasn't like driving us down a narrative um, to create like a shorter, more precise season, but also. We kind of, we were all enjoying it. We're having a great time and we could tell it was going to be a pretty good thing. So we didn't mind it going on a bit longer because we knew you guys would like listening to it. Um, And then if we're going to keep going with it, in order for us to still explore all those other games, it makes sense to cut it up into shorter sort of things. So it's like an ongoing series. And that means it's best of both worlds. We get the shorter, more concise seasons, uh, which are easier for us to plan around. But at the same time, we have the freedom to do the big storylines that Sean does. You guys get to keep hearing more. Carrying company, win, 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 all around. Hopefully, fingers yeah. crossed. Um, so, yeah, yeah, you'll yeah. you'll give you a little palate cleansers of various different systems, and no doubt at some point there'll be a um, there'll be a year zero game of something going on in there, and then no doubt we'll get to some sort of Lovecraftian and stuff at some point. All that, all that good shit will be going on. Yeah. Um, and in between, you know, you'll keep hearing the miserableness that is the old world and the carrying company and my bad cockney accent. So so yeah, that's what's gonna be going on. Um But yeah, anyway, enough of that. Uh we'll hammer four.
2: Yeah. So let's let's talk about what we liked about it first. That's the that's the first thing we wanted to cover off. Sure thing. Um so we have a Trello board Trello is just like a set of cards that you can kind of slot in for like a show outline. And we've, we've had a little bit of a think about this and put, put together some bullets of the things that we, that we'd like. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just going to, we'll just pick one of them and start talking about them. And the, the first one that is on the list is the career system. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I don't, if you've not listened to the show before or you're not on our discord, you might not know, but I, I rate very highly my favorite career system um out of out of the Wolfrup editions is actually third edition. And while I still think it's the it's the best career system, um I really, really like fourth edition's career system too. It's um yeah. It takes a lot of you can see what they're trying to do. We could I mean they were talking about it when they were developing it. Um you know, trying to make it so that you could, you didn't have to change your career. You could stay in a career if you wanted to for as long as you wanted. Um, the way they've gone about doing that is very, very clever. Um, there's huge amount of breadth to the number of careers that you can choose. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just really good. It feels they, f- it feels Warhammery as well. Like you know, we've got all the kind of classics in there. Um, they haven't added anything that doesn't that feels out of place. And the, the progression. Yeah, the, I mean, <laughs> I think the reason why it's not my favorite system is because that's just my feelings generally with uh, with the Warhammer career system. It makes Warhammer what it is, but it's also, um, I, I, I think, at heart, I'm more of a kind of um, classless guy. I, I prefer systems where you you kind of state what your occupation is at the beginning of the game. This is this is this is who you were before the adventure started, and then your character kind of um, organically just grows in which, whichever direction makes sense in the narrative. And career systems tend to be a little bit more rigid in terms of like, well, you can only progress certain skills based on your career, and you know you're either penalized for doing other ones or you can't do them. in terms of like talents. Um, but yeah. Anyway, um, it's good. It's good. I don't want to. I don't want to rag on it because of my personal um like feelings about career systems. I think it's a really good one. Um, I was really excited when I first read it. Um, when we did our review, we did a. We did a <laughs> we did a live character uh, character creation, didn't we? Mm. Um, yeah, we did. And Liam walked through it, and I think I was doing the rolls, and we created a, a hedge wizard for memory. Memory Something serves. Like that, yeah. Um, so yeah, and that was really fun. It felt very it you know the way it's been put together, the character creation around the careers and stuff, like when you're rolling, how you're rolling, where you can roll randomly once, and if you stick with that, you get a little bit of an um, XP bonus. Or you can roll them three times and get a slightly less XP bonus, or you can just ditch them and just pick what you want with no XP bonus. I think it's also a really, really clever and nice way of of handling that randomness, which some people really like and some people really don't like. Mm, yes, one hundred percent. Yeah. I don't know. There's just so many elements to it that are great. That um, yeah, I think I think they uh, you know Cubicle Seven should be really commended on, you know, the developer should be really commended on um, coming up with that because it's good. Yeah,
1: yeah. I um I like a lot of things about it, but I also feel like for me, and I, I discussed this in Discord just yesterday. I think it's lost um it lost a couple of the things I really liked about previous uh, career systems. Well, I, obviously I like everything Matt just said about it, um, and especially because like it's the the way this works is tied quite heavily to like the social um like, class system the game has now, too, which mm. I quite like. Yeah. Um, yeah. I really like the fact that um, you're not limited to, like, like, if you just want to stay, like, let's just say you're a rat catcher at the start, and you just want to stay being a rat catcher, which is something I know has happened on um Beneath Dark Bells. It's a high-profile high uh, Warhammer second edition live stream that happened. There was a halfling rat catcher in that one, and he ended up, changing careers because he had no choice the system demanded it but the player really just wanted to stay as a rat catcher um and the only way he could do that in second edition was to stop advancing at all um which yeah obviously isn't isn't fun you want to keep improving your character so um I like that they have allowed you to do that now you can just continue growing a character and never never you know, advance out of your current career if you don't wish um which is cool I'm glad that that's an option. And the way that they overall handle advances within the um, the classes and stuff is generally pretty good. Um, what I don't like about it is the, the way they're presented with the four sort of careers along a path. Now, I know that mm. what I'm about to say is nitpicky because – in the rules, you can change at any point and your GM if the narrative dictates can let you jump into an advanced part of another path or whatever that's fine, but I've seen enough people mention it to know it's not just a me thing, that they sort of structure the careers a lot more like a traditional class, so what was really good previously, say in second edition or first edition, I haven't played third edition to comment but from what Matt has said about it it uh, sounds like it's pretty good And for this as well. Um, when you get to the end of a career because you have to move on to something else there is a definite moment where you the get the system encourages you to stop and think about the future of your character and to really consider what comes next do i change to another basic career do i move along to an advanced career and like you you think about your character and and the character's sort of arc and what's going on with them whereas in this um even though you still have that freedom written in the rules, because it's not implicitly sort of put there as a milestone every thousand or so XP, um, it's something which you're much more likely just to go sentry guard on the guard, guard officer, and just follow that path, that ladder, yeah. uh, and not really think about it. Um, especially if, because when you're looking at these paths and they're presented as like a logical progression, most of us, the majority of people, when they go out there and they look at like something like this, they're already thinking one or two careers ahead. So they're likely just to go to the ladder to get to the second or third career that they really want anyway. And they're just going to play along that linear path. Um, and for me, that kind of loses a bit of the magic. I really enjoyed that whole, you know, looking at at the journey your character Takes from the start to the finish via the career system, and I feel like that's gone a bit. But it hasn't gone. But just because of presentation yeah. and yeah. because of the way the game is sort of is, is 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 giving you the information and and is encouraging you to sort of play. I don't know. I just, that, yeah. That's that's the only complaint I really have about it. Is it just sort of lost a bit of the, a bit of the secret, yeah. the special source I always liked about the career system. But um, in saying that, you know, like. There, I think there's a lot of pros there to balance out that con. Um, and if especially if you don't have that nostalgia for the pre, those, those older editions, if you haven't played them, I'm sure you're going to think they're awesome. But it does sort of, I think it makes careers a bit more like a class. And I, I have no doubt as well that there's probably, that's possibly by design. Because I know that C7, uh, they were writing this game not just for old players but to try and bring over new players as well. And they definitely knew that they were catering to an audience of people who have heard of Games Workshop games, have heard of 40K and Warhammer and have been playing D and D because they're like new players in this new relations that we're currently in the middle of. And then a new game comes out, and this will be their introduction to it. So I, I have no doubt that 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 there was an element of if not by design then it was a happy accident that it would feel familiar to someone coming from a class-based game while also still being a career-based game for those of us who are used to that. I, I've no doubt that there's a deliberate element of compromise there. So, um, yeah. But, I mean, yeah, as, as Matt said, it is still very characterful. Um, the character creation in particular is excellent. The fact that you have point by there if you want it, Kind of yeah, you, know, you can pick and choose if you want it, but you can also randomly roll and get advantages for that and all of that it's um mm. yeah it's neat, it is pretty fucking cool, um, making a character is really fun, really, really fun, um yeah, no it's yeah, it's definitely one of the one of the better parts of the system, yeah,
2: yeah, cool, yes, that's career system, mm. <laughs> um. Let's talk about downtime then, which is um, another another thing that I think we both like, um, and it's also point another one that's not quite perfect in my view, but um, I think overall I would say it's a positive rather than a negative. Yeah. And the the the, the bits that I don't like about it are, is very much nitpicking, <laughs> and or it would be kind of things like very specific to our campaign as well, um, and. Well, let me just let me just say that my my nitpick, I guess, um, which is that it felt like the endeavors were very limited for the type of campaign we we were playing. And it, having thought about it, I think the only way to fix that would be for Sean to have created, or for us as a group to to homebrew a mercenary company yeah. like class endeavor option, because it just felt like um, you know it's again it's it's got the general endeavors which anyone can do. And then it has the class endeavors, and the class endeavors are very much tied to those classes, um, which how the careers are arranged. Mm-hmm. And if you're in a carry, if you're in a mercenary company, and you've got a range of of classes, but you're all still within a mercenary company, yeah. you should be able. There should be some sort of mercenary specific or camp specific um, endeavors that you should be able to do on your downtime. And to be fair, um, we did kind of have that. Sean did kind of do that, but it would be nice to, um, yeah. And that's nitpicking because that's very campaign specific. Mm. I think if we are doing any kind of more traditional campaign, it wouldn't be an issue. You wouldn't even notice it. But I did notice it. Um, every single time we had downtime, I felt like I was struggling with the options there because none of them really fit, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. And, yeah. that, I, and that was very much because of the type of character I was playing and the campaign premise. Um, so, yeah, I don't want to be too hard on it because I, I think what's, what's there, I think the rules that are written are really great. And I think coming up with an endeavor is also like coming up with bespoke endeavors for your campaign, I think isn't, wouldn't actually be that difficult to do. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. Other than that, I, I really love the way it's, it happens. I love the, the kind of random, the kind of random encounter, yeah, um, like sort of mishap or possible benefit um, tables that you have to run. And we for. absolutely um, noticed them in game yeah. too. Like they absolutely had an impact oh, yeah. in game. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was cool. It was yeah. really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And tying, also tying advancement into it and saying, um, if you want to, you know, take uh, some, you know, if you want to level up, not level, sorry, level up. God, I'm I'm always using this term these days, and I don't play any games that have levels. <laughs> I don't know why it's, it's it's all those years of playing D and D with my home group. Um, God, I just can't get it out of my head. Anyway, when you're advancing your character, um, you know, you can get discounts during endeavors, uh, which I also really like. You can train uh, non-career skills during your endeavors. And I like that as well. I like how it's not just saying like second edition, just spend double the XP and you can, you can do it. It's actually saying, no, you need to spend some time, some downtime finding somebody to train you because it's not something that you're, that you can just do automatically. It's not something you you're like trained to do. Um, and likewise, if you want to get somebody to train you to um, do something else, um, like within your career, you can also do that to like reduce the XP cost. I think it's, I'm specifically talking about moving, Um, steps into your into other careers or something i think you can spend an endeavor to reduce the the cost i believe yes again seven months ago um in fact last time i advanced was a lot longer than that but um anyway yeah Yeah, so i really like that um there's just a lot to like about downtime. i
1: am yeah i like it too
2: um i
1: have a love-hate relationship with lost downtime systems um largely my due to my raging (laughs) blades Blades in the dark dark. (laughs) um i like that this one's optional and that it's not super structured it's funny because i i like it as a not it's not i'm not into super structured play that's like you have a downtime then you have a planning then you have a whatever right like that's not my jam. And I like this one because it gives me the benefits of that without forcing it upon me. Whereas the people who like that style of play have told me the other way around that they wish it was more structured. So I guess where where your preference lies is, is gonna be on that spectrum somewhere. Um I love the random events, as Matt said. They definitely had an impact within the game. Um and they felt cool. They felt, you know, like they, they meant stuff. My biggest complaints about them, like like Matt actually, you know, obviously um, we all were martial classes mostly. So we tended to mm. have the same options, but yeah. And, and, and when Sean gave us options to do campaign specific stuff or like story specific stuff, we almost always took it because it's yeah. silly not to yeah. like, it, it was, it was definitely more flavorful. Um, so if you are running this campaign, definitely th- oh, like the, the system definitely considered doing that because it was neat from a player perspective to have downtime options that made sense. Now my, it's just a minor quibble, really. I, because the way it works is you can do, you can do one downtime endeavor a week, up to a maximum of three, right? Um, so we were doing on average two endeavors between my, whenever we did downtime. Um, it was normally two, occasionally it was one, and I think once we got to do three. Um, every time, I would do the same endeavor, which would be banking. Uh, my money because if you don't you lose it all and to be fair sean wasn't just paying us like there is a recommended wage sort of thing in the game uh where sean was allowing us to being mercenaries would do jobs and get a big payout and then we'd have to make that money last across several sort of adventures until the next payout come along right i was always banking because I don't want to lose my money. And I do generally tend to hoard as a player. I am definitely that guy who's always saving for a rainy day and then finishes the campaign with lots of money. It's probably why I've gotten into OSR because I just hoard gold. That's what I do. Um, I'd rather <laughs> be sitting there thinking, fuck, I need to buy a bit of armor. I keep nearly dying and have all this money <laughs> than be well-equipped but broke.
2: I don't know. It's just <laughs> how I play games. Um, uh, I'm exactly the opposite. <laughs> You yeah, know, I'm I, I'm like, I finally have enough for this uh this like next tier weapon of whatever I'm going aiming for, buy it as soon as I've got the opportunity and I'll be like penniless for a couple no, of No, I'm always
1: grifting, eh? I'm always looking for a way that I can get it for free. <laughs> like I'm always like, oh, can I get a deal on it? I'm waiting for the right deal, all that sort of thing. I'm, and I'm uh, holding on to my pennies for a rainy day. Always, always. I'm very rarely broken games. Um so every time I got an action, one of them was immediately spent on banking. Yeah. Just because I wanted to make yeah. sure I had money. Um and that's yeah, I mean, that's probably by design. Um, I I think the the people who created this were probably hoping well, one, it's optional. The games master can say, look, don't worry about burning money. You know, we won't assume you spend it all. But um We were playing with that mechanic, so I was always saving my money. I have no doubt that when they created the mechanic, in their mind, they were wanting to give you reasons to go on another job right so you do a heist or you do whatever you go you go work for that baron and do that dirty job for the cult or whatever get your payout and then you've got all this money which in the Warhammer world is probably enough to retire on for a couple of years right so the, they've written in a mechanic where it's like but you don't do that you go get drunk you gamble you steal you do all that sort of shit and then you're broke ah well better go adventuring again you know um, and it's sort of and I think that's by yeah. design and I'm just not the sort of person who really appreciates that the way I probably should um, so that's just a personal quibble if you're like me uh, and you hoard I know Ryan is Ryan always had money too the two of us were constantly banking constantly As a matter of fact Ryan was investing <laughs> he was he was he was enlarging his funds between mm. sessions so um yeah. yeah it's just one of those things where you know if you're if you're like me you will be getting one less action every time because your endeavor will be going to banking no. every time every single time. Uh, yeah. which is probably it by design, but it does sort of take away a bit of the, the feeling of um, of options and, and freedom there <laughs> when you do that. Yeah, yeah. It was cool. I, one of the ones I, I used in the campaign that I liked was the, the old unusual learning. So Ryan's character was able to teach me, I think it was a talent or maybe some skills that I didn't have available to me in my career um, through that downtime. So that you know, there's a downtime endeavor there that lets you learn stuff that isn't within your career. Um, yeah, and it, it, it yeah. factors out how much XP and stuff it costs. And I was able to do that and then we described that narratively as my guy mm-hmm. learning off Ryan. And that was really cool. I really liked that and it, it made sense. Yeah. Um so That's yeah.
2: right. I, I forgot you could do you could do talents yeah. for that. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Although there's a there's a risk, isn't there, if you, you have to make it r- if it's like it make a It comes down to a role, yeah. And you could possibly fail it. And if you fail the test, then you also lose the XP. Yeah, yeah definitely. Which is, um, which I, I
1: kind of like as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. So that was I mean, like, hey, training's not a new thing in games. RuneQuest had it all the way back in the day, but it's mm. um it's cool to to see it um wrapped up in that system. Yeah. Um and yeah, it meant my guy was able to learn a talent that let him wear more armor because it he increased his encumbrance or something for armor. Um. So and as and I was starting to wear heavy armor, so it was, it was a handy thing to have. So um. Yeah, no, it was pretty cool. I quite liked it. Another thing yeah. I liked, which is the next cool. thing on the list, um, is that combat was opposed. Fucking mm. yes. Now, I have a lot of gripes about how they did it, which we'll get to when we get to we'll, we'll get, get to. This is that's the big rant. <laughs> that's gonna be the meat of our that's the meat of our discussion oh, fuck today. Me if I got a lot of <laughs> gripes about how they did it. But the fact that it's opposed is a win. I'm all about opposed combat systems these days. Um I don't think I could ever write a, a a system going forward from scratch that didn't have a post combat in it because it's it's just the way of the future IMO. Um, and I, I'm.
2: I know. Not very long ago, you were praising uh, Simbroom for its player facing uh, combat. Well, system. that's the other way around.
1: It's either it's either player facing or it's a post. Um, okay. I, I don't want my but players sitting. But there But not watch, second edition. Yeah. Because yeah. oh, like, think about it. Right. Like how is it fun for your players to sit there and watch you roll dice? Especially if you're like me and you roll behind a GM screen. I can get it in like the people who roll out in the open and everyone gets to sit there and watch the dice fall together. Maybe, maybe. But I generally don't explain the monster stats or whatever to the players and don't do all that. So um, mm. I'm, I'd am yeah. i rather, Same. rather d- roll opposed uh, uh, or, you know, this have it all player facing because it keeps the players engaged, keeps them involved. That's a personal preference thing.
2: Um, yeah, I like it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, this ties into the next one, the next point fast SL. Um, I god, this is chalk and cheese, right? So, so tons of people. people how many comments it? have we had where people are like um yeah but fast sl hate it and it's like well you know it's an it's option you've got the option to do whatever you like one way or the other it's not going to really change anything in the game apart from how you calculate success um i was really opposed to fast sl at the beginning mainly because um i disliked having to wrap my brain around um two different systems of calculating success and failure Mm -hmm. right um which I felt was just kind of an inelegant way of doing things, but I came around to it in the end because um, like Liam is always talking about the blackjack style of um of success determination in a in a roll under system is really cool um it's the future yeah. <laughs> um, absolutely yeah, and i think if 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 you took advantage if you took sorry um yeah, if you took advantage out of the picture, then it would kind of work a lot better in my yes. head. Um, mm-hmm. But we'll get to that. We'll get to Advantage later as well.
1: Oh, dude, we are getting to that, don't you? <laughs> this is, when I take the cork off that bottle, fuck me, I hope you I hope you guys listening are not going anywhere for a while because, man, I've got some demons to fucking.
2: <laughs> we're, get, we're, we're nearly there, don't worry. Um but yeah, I think for me the I like I liked I did like fast SL. I liked that I liked the trying to roll as close to your skill as you could. Um it made sense. And yeah, where you're kind of like the higher the result you roll, the better, as long as you're not you know, as long as you're not over your skill. It just kind of worked. Um yeah, and I quite liked it. It was very different to second edition, um with the with um degrees of success. Um, I
1: mean, but yeah, yeah. And I
2: think that's an easy thing to port into second edition as well. You could quite easily do fast SL. I'm doing air quotes I have. here um, into, into yeah, second no, the, edition. The and it wouldn't, it wouldn't require any. Yeah. yeah, it's it's like it's really, really simple thing to do. It doesn't really change anything. You don't break anything. Um, it allows you to have that, that blackjack style thing going forward
1: so yeah and it absolutely makes sense in an opposed role i know a lot of people are out there like no yeah. you yeah. should be able to like like you know people coming from older editions of, of warhammer i get it you, you can't help but get excited when you roll your d100 and that first digit is a zero i get that i i 100 percent you know, yeah. And if you listen to the carrying company, you hear moments where I'm like, yeah, <laughs> right? Like I, I get that. Yeah. However, yeah. Same. however, however Same. this is a big however here. In an opposed system, if someone only has a 30% chance of succeeding and someone has a 50% chance of succeeding, that 50% chance person doesn't have – well, it's a bit weird because they use um, – your success levels in this, but they don't have a a massive like bonus to their likelihood to beat the other person, right? the other person has to inherently roll well to to compete anyway. Um, so there's this like it's just the other person has a better chance of failing as opposed to you have a better chance of beating them. Depending again, I know you've got success levels which complicate it, which we'll get into. But in a, I think it's much more intuitive when you're doing fast SL. Uh, and when you roll and if you've rolled, if you're if you're that person who can roll up to fifty and still succeed, when you roll a forty something, you instantly know that you've done better than the opposition. Because your number is higher than this, and it's still a success. It just makes sense. It's just Im- immediate, intuitive. Mm. It's not a thing where they roll lower than you do, so they've kind of they've rolled better, but you've got more success levels. So you know you have to do the math and then sit yeah. there and then say, "Oh, I guess I've won." Right? It's just an, an immediate boom. Like I've I've rolled higher than you, therefore I've won, and it just makes sense because we all and, know yeah. how gambling and shit works. We all know how you know like it's just logic. Yeah. Um, yeah. It gets confusing when it goes the other way and you fail and you then have to count degrees of 10 past your target number or whatever, and it's, a, it's, it's using two systems. But that tends to matter a lot less than how well you succeeded generally. So the Fast SL, uh, yeah. for me personally, makes a lot more sense. There's going to be people like, again, talk, chalk and cheese. Uh, I, I can think of at least half yeah. a dozen yeah. times people have popped up in the actual play chat yeah. on Discord and been like, eww. Ditch Fast SL. How about you play your own fucking game? You know what I mean. <laughs> like it's this. It's just, If you don't like it, you don't like it, man. Don't don't use it. But um, yeah. And for me, it, what it was yeah. that really made me realize the genius behind it was actually Delta Green because they use a similar thing, albeit oh, yeah. much more yeah. simpler, which we'll get to. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah. I,
2: I I definitely think that's the way to go. It's um, it's cool. I like Fast SL yeah. a lot. I think for me as well, the two different systems of calculating success and then also how you calculate failure, it felt a little bit janky. But in practice, because I played second edition and first edition, well, second edition had the degrees of success. um, It wasn't hard to calculate degrees of uh, like negative success levels or whatever the fuck it's called here. Um, by the way, that's a big fucking bugbear of mine. Why couldn't they just have kept degrees of success because <laughs> or degrees of failure? Because we just fucking say it all the time especially, anyway.
1: Especially Ooh. if you've played the, any of the Fantasy Flight 40K games as well, which half of the fucking Warhammer community has, right? They all use a shared language. Why would you fucking change it?
2: <laughs> you know what <laughs> <laughs> I <Yeah.
1: laughs>
2: Yep. Well, that's not good on that rat. That's not a rat we we is probably going to be too interesting to a lot of people, but yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, because we're so used to doing it from second edition, it it kind of like wasn't hard to calculate the um to calculate failures, mm. um negative success levels. It was just wrapping your head around remembering that um you it was done a different way. And even though it's simpler, it's a lot simpler um to calculate fast SL, it still was there was still that mental trip when you're kind of like stumbling over that, the kind of the ingrained habit from earlier editions. But yeah, we, I think definitely, definitely it was, um, other than calling it success levels. Um, great, a great, uh, thing to introduce. And our, we really, we all really liked it. I think in the, um, I think, I think unanimously we all liked fast SL, right? The no.
1: Um, Oh, by the end, Josh had come around, but he was
2: pretty empty it for a long time. Um, I was pretty anti it a long mm. time as well. But yeah, that's right. Josh was He's the a bit most vocal fondest. about it
1: too. You actually hear it. If you, if you listen to the podcast, you hear him every time. He was like, oh, Zero SL, <laughs> great system. Right? Like he was always that guy. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, yeah. There's a couple of other things I liked about it, which I just realized are in that Trello. Um, one thing I liked about it a lot is that you can score critical hits even when you, you haven't got them down to zero wounds. Um, mm. I liked that. And you can score critical hits when you're on the defense, which I liked too. Combat was always dangerous. Swinging at someone wasn't safe. Um, and I, I liked that a lot. Um, and I think that should be a thing. like That's something I'm actually used to from... Um, from RuneQuest as in RuneQuest any hit if you roll well enough can and this is true for Mythras and all those other games that rip off BRP um any any hit has the potential to be a special or a critical hit and that's not just double damage that's like taking someone's arm off um and this has that as well yeah. and um I like that a lot you know you can be you could be like oh man the old grail knight from second edition which is nearly unkillable once you included the prayers or whatever they were called and all that sort of stuff, their vows, um, they, were, they were damn near unkillable. And they, they'd very rarely end up rolling on the critical hits table. That That's not true in this. Um, and it forced you to use your armor and stuff. Now, that is a gripe as well. I know Sean complains about the oh, fact yeah. that you can burn armor to avoid critical hits. But I think it balances out. You're scoring much more criticals than you were previously. Therefore, you know, it, it's, you know, you you need a counter to that, and um and burning armor to avoid criticals is that counter, but um yeah, it's um I liked that a lot. I thought that was cool because mm. critical hits are Warhammer yeah we've yeah, like the critical hit tables are a yeah. very Warhammer thing. Um, they're a lot more common now, but back in the old and dark days they weren't. And being able to cut someone's arm off and they die in a spray of blood was the most Warhammer thing around. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, uh, so having that happen more often is just a win, in my opinion. Absolutely. Yeah,
2: no, that's a good that's a good one to call out. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll get to that, I guess, when we talk about what we didn't like, because I I have pretty strong feelings about armor. Um, yeah. but yeah. Um, okay, let's talk about advantage. Um, because I think this is this is one that has both both a positive. In fact, yeah, we'll just do that because I think advantage is a nice segue into talking about what we don't like. Um, because Advantage for me is kind of split down the middle in terms of, um, I like some of it, some elements of it, and I dislike other elements of it. Oh, I fucking hate um, it. Um, I guess to be, big... <laughs> so maybe I should start, right? What, I, what do I like about Advantage? Um, I like the fact, I, I like what it's doing in, in theory. I like the fact that, um, you're kind of, you're the flow of, of, of combat Determines like you get into this, you get into this like groove, right? And that feels kind of right to me, where there's a there's sort of this psychological um, effect of you know someone's in there, he's just killed someone or he's just like stabbed somebody, and you're kind of you're kind of taking all this in peripheral vision, like how is the flow of battle going and is your morale? It's kind of to me, it's kind of like a, a makeshift morale system is how I kind of view yeah. it in my head, um, and I quite like that. It's not it's not dipping into like a morale pool of like morale points or anything like that or anything um similar to that it's just a a really simple way of of kind of portraying it uh we'd also reviewed conan 2d20 before we came to um before we started looking at in fact before fourth edition was out and conan had uh, momentum and which is a very very similar concept but i feel like and we we also really like momentum in in conan um, but I also think that Conan Conan had very different ways of how it implemented it, but it, in effect, it was exactly the same. Like the better you did in combat, the more momentum you would get, and it was that momentum that was kind of carrying carrying you through. And the, even the name momentum is very clear about what it what it entails. Um, advantage is, I think, a terrible word for for what it's doing. I think they should have just gone with something like momentum, um, because you can't really trademark terms. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, anyway, um, but I, I kind of liked it in principle and when we were playing with it. It was quite, you kind of like combat was all about trying to seek out advantage. And that made sense. It was a little bit metagamey perhaps, but it kind of made sense in in the moment. It's like, what can I do to give myself every possible advantage in this combat so that I don't die? Right. Or I don't, I don't lose that advantage. I want to keep pressing my, I want to keep pressing my advantage to try and like overcome my foes and yeah, I think generally speaking it worked fairly well. Um, but that's all I, okay. Let me, let me rephrase that. It works well when you, when you're only handling a smaller number of advantage, um, from this is player facing too. Like when I had, when I had like one or two advantage, well, fuck no, it didn't really, (laughs) I was constantly forgetting about advantage, I guess. Hmm. Um, I think I think this is where the theory is different from the practice yeah. right in theory, we both I know Liam and I in a review, we were raving about how much we liked the advantage, how it sounded really awesome, and how you know exactly what I've just talked about how it you know models the flow of combat, et cetera, et cetera um but just actually going back and thinking about it in in play, um I did forget about um I did forget it about it quite often. I was using a dice to to like turn the face to say how many I was on. And I was forgetting which dice it was and like all sorts of sh- stupid shit like that. Um, I could have had a better system, naturally. It could have just had like a post it note or something or I was just putting tallies on or something. Um, but regardless, it was like, it wasn't something I was actively thinking about. Um, and at the same time, I'm aware that from the GM's perspective, Sean was keeping track of advantage on a lot of people on the battlefield as well, like all the NPCs. Um, so I know from like a GM's perspective, it's probably a huge ball ache. Uh, of a mechanic to keep track of, but I don't know. Um, I do. I still, do still think it's a cool idea. I think it makes Fourth Edition what it is. I think if you were to strip advantage out, it would kind of feel a little bit more bland potentially. Um, but at the same time, I'm not sure the implementation as written is is right. And I don't know what I don't know the way to fix it. Whether that would just be trackers or uh, I don't know. I I know people have said like on Foundry, um, we're not going to mention the whole debate about what's <laughs> happened recently with foundry but foundry was automating things like advantage and it still does the um you know the the pack the warhammer fourth edition pack and that that actually solves a lot of the issues because it's just there it's auto calculated when you're making your roles you don't even have to think about it um and same with like from the gm's perspective so yeah i think if i think it's one of those mechanics that is like it th- sounds good in theory and if you have some way of automating it so that you don't have to think about it brilliant but yeah, that's not really the case. It wasn't the case for us. I'll let you talk about Advantage a bit then, Liam. Yeah. Um, <laughs> deep breath. There we go. <laughs> I'm
1: different. The first thing I take out of this game is Advantage and that fucking heartbeat. I love it in theory. Hate it in practice. Absolutely fucking loathe it. And this is because of the broader issues of combat and how complex it gets. Okay, so... Oh, man. Um, I'm going to take in the cork out of that bottle. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, advantage, right, the whole idea is it's to make combat quicker. It's to resolve things a lot faster. The problem that it has is it removes consistency from the game. It's something that you have to track that impacts every single die roll you make. And there's different things that give you advantage. So every time you're picking up the die, you're not, rolling on one known target number which is one of the big strengths of a d100 the big strengths of any d100 system as you look at it and there's an obvious target number i've seen suggestions by uh, rodders who's another big d100 fan on our discord that in his mind advantage should be plus 20 or plus 40 and that's it you have like you know, there's two set modifiers. Some games do that. And I think there's definitely something to be said about that because, again, it's simple and it's easy to track. By having this big fluctuating number that can be lost just by someone shooting you with an arrow or casting a spell at you or whatever, uh, and then you lose this big... And then it's changing every single turn. gets really hard to track. And then that compounds with uh, everything else, which we'll be talking about, such as talents affecting success levels or advantage or the opponent's advantage or weapon traits doing all of that and stuff and it means you've got this convoluted constantly moving system that that you're always having to try and keep up with um so i do like the idea of it as you know being a momentum tracker being a way to quickly end combat and if you're succeeding you succeed more quickly and things should in theory resolve more quickly and on top of that you're doing more damage because S- SLs and the way they work give you more damage and all of that like i, I like it in theory but in practice combined with everything else they've got going on it's just a fucking mess. Like it's it does my head in. Uh, it really does. Um, and I'll use this to sort of segue into my dislikes about combat. So because they are they are inherently tied together. And and advantage is one of the things I
2: dislike about combat. So before we jump away from advantage, I think I think the other thing is that there's there's so many conditions tied to how you gain it as well. Oh yeah. Um, like. You just const I felt like we were constantly asking if we if we were getting more advantage, if yes. if um if Sean wasn't just saying off the bat, okay, yeah, you get another advantage. So if he wasn't telling us to would be like, um, okay, th- so did I get another advantage from that? And that's because there's like I'm looking at the book right now. There are six bullet points for gaining advantage. And under those under those bullet points it then says there's also an array of talents that secure advantage. Absolutely. So over to you with talents and uh, combat, because that's all tied together. Exactly. Around. No, it's and, all yeah. it's all integrated. It's all yeah. Th- that's the thing, like which
1: we'll get to. I guess when I this is one of my com- core complaints about the game. But it's like my character, for example, towards the end had a talent that every time he won an opposed test, he didn't gain a advantage. He gained all of the opponent's advantage. So. I could go from one roll with zero advantage to the next one having plus four or five. And like I'm I'm going to be honest, I was never 100% certain that I had the amount of advantage right when I was rolling. Because as you said, we're always seeking clarification. We're always tracking how combat has been going. Did we win last round? Did we lose last round? All of that. Have my talents affected this? Do their weapons affect my advantage? Because that's a fucking great idea that they allow the game to do that, and all this. You know what I mean? Like I was, I was never yeah. sure, and I, I was never confident that I knew what I was doing. And that's not a good feeling to have while you play the game. No one likes yeah. picking up the dice and not being sure about what they're doing. Um, and that is a sign that there's something wrong with it. That's a sign that there is something broken about it. And that was a feeling I had every single combat. And here's the thing. Mm. Carrying company, amusingly for a martial-based game, didn't have much combat in it, and and even then I still didn't enjoy mechanically enjoy the combat that I was playing in because yeah it was just all over the so now talking about combat broadly. So there's lots of things going on that you have to track, right? So when you defend and when you attack, it is often a different skill. So again, you've got those moving target numbers. You've got advantage going on in there. You're also counting SL. You have to factor all of your talents before you make an attack roll. And you have to factor weapon traits. So... When I decided I disliked combat in this game was when my character had reached his second tier. He had some really interesting talents going on that impacted on combat. Um, He had a shield, which was rolling on one skill at a certain level. He had a flail. Flail, right? Yeah, it was not. Shield is is like parry weapon class. Parry, Um, yeah. And and he also had a flail, which was (laughs) rolling on a different skill. So every time, if I was defending or if I was attacking, I was using a different target number each time. Okay, easy to track. Now throw an advantage, which is fluctuating every single time I roll. An advantage from one carries over to advantage from another. So I might be rolling on this skill here, which is base number 30 with plus 20 for advantage. And then the next roll be rolling over here at base number 45 plus plus. 30 for advantage. So the target numbers are fluctuating all over the place and it was just, and then on top of that with the shield there is things there that give you you get an additional success level And when you defend. Not advantage it doesn't improve your target number, it gives you an automatic success level. Whilst my flail, when attacking the enemy automatically removes a success level from their role, not mine. So (laughs) I'm having to track not just my shit, but I'm having to remind Sean, the GM, that I'm affecting his shit, right? And then, yeah. and, then yeah. like, and then there's other things, like I had advanced, like um, talents that were giving me advantage. So some things give you advantage. Some things are improving your target number. Other things are improving your success levels. Other things are modifying the enemy success levels. And it's fucking all over the place. Like there's so many modifiers going on, it's it's impossible to track. The easy thing for me, again, I'm sure if you're using the foundry and it's doing all of that for you, fucking great, good for you. Everyone else, you're shit out of luck. Um, I, no doubt it's also easier around a physical table when you're sitting opposite the person and you're, you're doing this calculation as a joint experience. We were doing it over voice, it's a bit different. But fuck me, it did my head in. It really did. And it was really hard to sort of follow. And the thing is, I like crunchy games. I, I grew up playing fucking RuneQuest 2nd Edition for fuck's sakes. I like crunch. And I was struggling with this. I was really not enjoying the amount of shit going on. And and if you get that calculation wrong, that has a flow on effect into everything. If you fuck up success levels, you're fucking up your damage. You're not. You're not just, just. You know, not just whether or not you hit them, yeah. Yeah. but whether how much you hurt them, vice versa, right? Um, when you're defending, and like, there's no consistency. It was so hard to, like, like with crunch. Crunch has to be consistent. It has to be easy. Like. It can be crunchy as long as it's following a formula that you can understand, right? It has to be something that you can, you can calculate and intuitively know. But every time you pick up a different weapon in this game, the rules are changed because they'll have some other trait that will fuck it up and suddenly you're now getting critical hits on tens numbers as well as double digits or whatever and it's just changed everything entirely i think the flail is the worst defender because it impacts the other person's role which just doesn't make sense if i was to rewrite the game i would have all traits affect either advantage or success levels of the individual in question because i would argue that having a flail remove an SL off the opponent versus having the flail give an SL to the attacker is a trivial difference that isn't worth the added complication of me having to remind somebody else that their role is different because of my weapon, right? Um, So I would definitely, if I was rewriting this game, I would make it that all of these things affect one or the other. Either give me more success levels or give me more or less
2: advantage don't
1: make me have to calculate fucking all of them
2: <laughs> i think I think I can see what happened there in the design phase is that they're trying to make the weapon um, the weapon qualities or weapon traits feel a little bit varied and mm-hmm. um, absolutely yes you know that's that kind of makes sense that why they would do it but i again it's it's something that I think perhaps the complexity was. <laughs> It wasn't really taken into account. Um, or th- or the people who were playing it love that level of complexity. And this is, I think this is, as somebody who's like, currently designing my own games as well, this is a big trap to fall into, yeah. is that when you're designing your own game, it's very easy to add systems on to make it crunchier and crunchier. And because you've designed them yourself or you're playtesting it constantly with other people who are also super familiar with it, it's easy to just, you know, mentally be able to calculate all this stuff because you're the one who created it right? Or you're collaboratively, in the case of bigger publishers like perhaps Cubicle 7 where you've got a team of people creating something, you know, there's a, there's a people are super familiar with the rules, and therefore you're not necessarily going to be seeing the level of complexity that other people will be experiencing, yeah. right? Um, and I've, I have a feeling that that kind of permeates, that's, that's something that permeates throughout this game is that the playtesting for this was very much behind closed doors with the the groups of devs in their home groups and it mm. didn't go out for like a beta period um to the wider community right yeah where other people may have might have been able to have like six months of time to to give the to give the rules a, a try and you know offer some offer some critique from a fresh pair of eyes which i think you really um is absolutely something that, that should be done for most games but yeah I think yeah. I think I can see where they were going coming from with the flail. I don't I agree with you. I think it's I think it's a, a kind of a ridiculous level of of crunch and complexity that doesn't really add much mechanically other than additional complexity. Yeah. But I can see I think I can see the intent behind why it's done the way it was done. Oh,
1: 100%. Yeah, no, they were definitely trying to make it, like, your decision of what equipment you use matter. And I I get that. Yeah, I 100% understand that. But, like, there's other things as well, like having different skills for every different weapon class, right? A lot of games have done oh that God, in the yeah. past. But previous <laughs> yeah. versions of Warhammer, you had a talent that would tell you if you could use that kind of weapon, and then you'd roll on weapon skill. Or you'd roll on ballistic skill if it was a ranged weapon. Um, so it was a consistent number. If you were blocking with a shield or attacking with a sword, you're generally as good at both, assuming you had you know the equipment and the and the talents to do so. In this one, because and also like you got to remember, we're advancing skills now, not in groups of five, but in individual digits. So you don't have enough experience to level all of your your combat skills at the same time. So in my case, I would have variations of, like, target numbers being massive. Like, if I'm defending, I might be trying to defend on, like, with a 40% chance of success, right? And then because of my ability that takes all of the opponent's advantage and then the flail, I'm and then also the plus success level with my shield. Let's say my guy's got no advantage and I'm defending with that 40% chance of success with a free SL because I'm using a shield. Right, Boom, I win. I've gained all their advantage. They might have four advantage. So the next round, I'm rolling on a higher skill. My flail skill is on a higher skill... <laughs> <laughs> with all this extra advantage and I'm taking one cell off the enemy. So the math has completely changed and there's no mm. consistency. It's, it's just all over the place. It's swingy as fuck. And it's um, on top of the inherent swinginess of a D100. So it's like, it was just, it was mm. really hard to track. Um and, uh, and some people out there I've seen uh, an outspoken minority who love it because they like feeling rewarded for their choices and stuff, and they really get into that grok. And if you like that sort of grok, that's fine. Um, but man, and then well,
2: oh. there's a there's another argument which is that skill, uh, sorry, rules mastery solves all these problems. And I kind of this kind of goes to the argument I just made about the devs being um, effectively, you know, yeah, um, having rules mastery because they're creating it. Um, I I do agree with that statement to a certain extent that if you have read and internalized like all these rules and you've got it you're holding it really well in your head then you will remember all this stuff but I the the issue with it is that there is so bloody much to keep track of and it's changing as Liam just said it's changing constantly that I think even with rules mastery it's it's a it's a fucking like mind trip (sighs) right it's it, yeah, combat goes fast and it's deadly and, you know, arms are flying off and, you know, all the rest of it. But my God, to get there, it feels like I don't think I've 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 played any games recently, like in the last, I don't know, 10 years where it feels like I'm back in high school in a math, like an advanced math class. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where it's like, OK, hold on, hold on. Why is this so fucking difficult to keep track of? Like, there's no it's just like there's all this stuff happening. And um. It wasn't actually, I shouldn't say that because for me, it for me it wasn't so difficult. I was playing Kurt. Kurt was not a combat monkey. He was an archer, right? And if he if he had to close and melee like he did that one time with the the flagellants, um, he's fucked. Hmm. And therefore, like I didn't have talents that were giving me lots of cool like bow skills or anything like that. It was pretty straightforward when we got into combat. I would be holding back and I'd just be trying to, you know, use enemies as pincushions. So my interactions with the rules was very, with the combat rules was pretty straightforward. My my actions were pretty straightforward. But I remember sitting there listening to Liam um, during combat, struggling, and I was getting fucking lost. I was trying to like follow along and be like, okay, yeah, hold on one second, like, what, where, where, what, what? Like, yeah. I I was completely lost. And you know, I don't know. I like I I'm completely on board with where he's coming from. And although it, I didn't experience it that myself with my character. It is it is like. I don't know. Rules Mastery only gets you so far because when it actually comes into practice with combat, um, you know, there there is just so much shit to keep track of. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's
1: one of those things where it's like, yeah, if I had tokens, it probably would have been easier. Or if I had a notepad and I was writing down which I kind of was anyway on my sheet, but like if I was hmm. tracking like things like that more clearly, like no doubt there's a way I could create tools to help me with it. But um, at the same time, like D100 is my favorite like uh, resolution mechanic out there. The way skill based D100 games work. I am a, for those of you who do not know this, who aren't on our Discord, I am a D100 guy for life, right? Um, and have been. I've been playing D100 games since I was seven, right? So for fucking t- twenty-two years, just about. Uh, yeah. Was well, your first game? See <laughs> yeah. RuneQuest was exactly your first game. So,
2: so, so. Yeah, that makes a big that makes a big
1: impression. Um. Yeah. So. I've just just shown that I can't do math. It's been more than 22 years. Anyway, for (laughs) 26 years, this this might be the problem, guys. (laughs) For for, for 26 years, I've been been playing D100 games, right? And the, the strength of D100 is the simplicity. You look, there's a percentage. And if there's a modifier, it's an easy modifier to track. Throwing in all these massive variables is completely undermining the strength of the system. And at that point, you're only using D100 for nostalgia just sake right so it's it's you're kind of you're just really sort of throwing the baby out with the bathwater. it's um it's a shame because you know combat's something that happens in warhammer and i know when we play carrying company season two i don't want to play a combat class i want to play someone who shoots <laughs> i i know this for a fact if we get i
2: think ryan might be the only one who cho- who might you know choose yeah. to play a, a combat class because he's the one who's got the the most rules mastery i think and he doesn't he doesn't have quite the same level of Um, complaints as we do
1: yeah and he was like and because he had that rules mastery he was definitely trying to game it by riding on a horse and all of that if you if you take the time to learn this hey if this is your game for life right if you know that you're going to be playing this game for the next five years this game and this game only which is not true for Matt and I and you don't need to try and internalize multiple game systems sure if you if you can sink time you know into learning this system and, and internalizing it 100% Absolutely. If you're that kind of savant or whatever, fine. But I'm not that person. And I know a lot of people out there, especially listeners of our channel, um, because they listen to reviews of dozens of different games, are the same. They they are not going to be that kind of person. And it was just doing my head in so hard. And it completely put me off, which is a shame because everything else about the game, uh, is generally pretty good. Obviously, there's a few more things we needed to talk about that we don't like, but <laughs> for the most part, it's pretty yeah. good. Uh, I feel like like um, a big one here that advantage system and success levels is so baked into every other mechanic. No mm-hmm. doubt people are at home going, Rule zero, change it if you don't like it. We tried. <laughs> We, we tweak the things and every time we tweak with one thing something else wouldn't work because there are so many yeah. parts that are reliant on each other all of the talents affect success level or advantage in some way yeah. all of the weapon traits do the same thing this is an inherent mechanic that that runs through yeah. the entire game and it is a hard thing to change and it's, it's most obvious in combat but it affects everything and it's all yeah. interweaved yeah. and it's all interconnected and as soon as you find fuck one thing, the rest of it flies off. It's like a complex clock. And if you change the size of one, one fucking cog, the whole thing goes at a time. And it's just, it's, yeah, it, yeah. it is a beast. I, I actually think this is one of the more complex games I've ever played. I would argue that it's crunchier than RuneQuest or Mythrash or any of those. Um, in my experience, it certainly is. And it's an inconsistent crunch, which I don't like. Um, so, yeah.
2: oh, man. I've... If- I don't know about RuneQuest. i played Mithras, and definitely Mithras is less crunchy than yeah. this. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the big th- issues with me that I can I can kind of talk around here as well is um, around talents. And, again, I wasn't taking combat talents. I had, I had like, for example, I had this supernumerate talent. And if you think about what that means, that means that my character is supernumerate. It means I am I have a really good head for numbers, and it's like a natural thing. And we did kind of house rule a little bit and just to say, like, well, I'm playing a scout, so that should make sense if I'm gonna be scouting an enemy, um, an enemy position. I can get a very I can very quickly like get an estimate for how many there are without having to sit there and like use all 10 fingers and get my, you know, take my boots off and use my toes to count how many there are, right? Um and that kind of made sense. Whereas if you look at the, the way the talent is described in the book, the talent is very very has a very, very specific use case, I think, to do with appraising things, right? So um having to do with um like commerce and i think this goes back to the rules complexity the talents are so specific in terms of when you can use them that it kind of makes a lot of them quite useless if that makes yeah. sense and the, it's an easy thing to house rule where you can just say okay if 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 your talents kind of narratively makes sense because of the description Treat it like an aspect from fate or something. Then you can get like a um, you can get like a bonus to your role or something. Um, and that's kind of how we did it in practice. But um, it just, you know, Liam talking about this complexity. Now everything's woven together. Reminded me of that, where even if you ignore combat, just the way, just the way that this this level of complexity in this game that's been introduced means that to have this huge number of talents that are interacting, they all have to interact in different ways with the mechanics in some way means that they they generally are relatively um, specialized. And I don't want to be too hard on it because 2nd Edition was exactly the same, um, but I didn't notice that in 2nd Edition because I think 2nd Edition didn't have the same level of complexity. Mm. Whereas with this game, it just that's just another step on top of it where it's kind of like, what the fuck are, you, are some of these talents when they're they're absolutely of no use to me um, when I need them, even though it, it should be. And Rover was another one where I had a very, very specific use case um again we ignored it and it was more a case of, okay, I've got these talents. They should make sense in this situation. So, um, you know, Sean would usually just give me a, a kind of a, a small advantage uh, I don't yeah. use the word advantage, but like a small bonus to yeah. the role. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think the combat issues compound um a much bigger issue, which is the the absolute breadth of things they were trying to take on when they were designing this game. They threw the kitchen sink yeah. at it. Um And it kind of shows when you're reading it and and you're reading it, you got all these call out boxes saying optional rule, optional rule, optional rule. It looked great on on paper. You were Mm. like, fuck, this kind of covers everything. And yeah, there's a lot of crunch, but a lot of it's optional and you don't have to use it, but it's also like engaging with it is also really hard because you have all these options. You have the kitchen sink and it's kind of like, it's overwhelming at times. Right. Um, And I think while that, that is kind of a strength in some ways, I do like the fact that there are all these optional systems that you can plug in. Um, at the same time, it just adds to the it adds to the crunch. It adds to the complexity because you have to make those decisions. And you're having to you're also having to remember, am I using the 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 rule as written or am I using the optional rule? <laughs> and people will forget about that when you're playing. You're like, oh no, no, hold on. We talked about in session zero, we said that we were gonna use this optional rule. Oh yeah, yeah, sorry, I was just reading the text and the, the text said this. You know what I mean? Um, I think it could have. I think it could have been a better game if it had been designed with um, taking the game exactly as it is now and then bring in a different developer and say, right, how do we streamline yes. this to really make it sing? Right, and that's I think something that didn't happen.
1: You know how you get a line editor to streamline how you read a, a, yeah. a text. Yeah. They needed a mechanical line editor. They needed a, <laughs> a guy to come in and go, right, great. Now let's cut this down. Um and like it's especially considering they did all of this to fix with, right? So to to yeah, fix yeah. with, they added like half a dozen mechanics. <laughs> they added success levels and advantage Fortune. and multiple skills. And, like, and, 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 and they added all of this shit to fix one problem with the game. <laughs>
2: You yeah. know? And the thing... And Fortune. Don't, let's not forget Fortune, which allows you to re Yeah, all the um,
1: currencies are just like, fuck. And, like, the thing is, it's not like there's other games that haven't done opposed D100 combat and fixed these problems already without all of this shit that they could have gone and looked at. But no, they had to do their own solution. But yes, while we're on it, meta currencies. <laughs> there's too fucking many. <laughs> yeah. You don't need yeah. four. You don't need four. The game barely needed two to begin with. Why have we got four now? They're cool on paper,
2: but fuck me, you felt safe as a house because there's so yeah, many of them. That's the complaint. <laughs> they took a lot of the. It took a lot of the danger away. Um, yeah. I, I was pushing. I was deliberately pushing Kurt. Um, I, I play. I play a lot of Year Zero engine games, and Year Zero engine games are gritty because there's always a chance you can die, and you can't get out of it. There aren't any fate points or anything. If you roll badly on a critical hit table, that's it. You're dead. Um, which is also a very OSR way of, of, of looking at things as well. In the OSR, um, almost all the OSR games, you get to a certain point, your character's dead. You don't have death-saving roles yeah. or all the rest of that shit, <laughs> right? Um, Warhammer has always had fate points, and that's fine. Like, I get it. I get why they're there. I don't really have a problem mm-hmm. with it. But adding fortune and then adding resilience and resolve just took it to another level where it was kind of... And I, I guess you could just opt like treat them as optional rules, although they're not. And again, there are things interacting with um, with, with with all these meta currencies that makes it harder to remove. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it just felt like I was pushing Kurt constantly. I was using Fortune at all times. Like, okay, I'm gonna try and I'm gonna engage with these meta currencies because they're there. They're on my character sheet, and I want to try and use them. So I think I probably spent. I was the first one who was like spending Fate points. Um, yeah, you were spending
1: them constantly. Also, because
2: in combat, yeah. in combat, I was also getting fucked constantly because as soon as um, melee. Like we we closed and had a melee i was I was getting um you know, I was rolling on the critical hit injury like the critical hit tables fairly fairly quickly. um so yeah, I think for me I, the the metacurrencies again added another level of complexity, and that is, you know, what does resolve and resilience do for fuck's sake? um the names are just confusing. And there's so many options for what you can do and when you can use them and how they interact with certain mechanics that it was just it was just too yeah. much, too much complexity, too many meta currencies. And again, if you have the rules mastery and you're and you know all that and you know when you can use them, uh, like Ryan did, um, that's absolutely fine. But I, fuck, I was getting confused by them all the time. Fate, fate points, fair enough. But again, fate points weren't just get out of jail free card when you have a fatal um, yeah. critical injury. You could use them in different ways as well, but like, who the fuck would do that? Like, no, you don't. You want to save them for when you're about to die and you're about to lose your character. Absolutely. That's what they're there for. Absolutely.
1: nah like, 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 second edition had fate and fortune, um, and that's the edition yeah. I'm most comfortable with. I've played the most of, and I always saved them because that because I recognize the intent was get out of jail free cards, right? Like, they are your, your, yeah. your, your, you're gonna die here. Use these things to avoid death, um, but then. Adding the other two, I like what they were trying to do. Like, you read the text and talking about, like, you know, um, overcoming a psychological thing for a single round, right? Is And all that sort of stuff is cool, right? Like, it's you having a bit more inner bravery you can call upon and stuff. But I don't think you need a second, c- like, class of of two meta currencies mm. to do that. Why can't you have just tied that into fortune and, like, simplified? Fate and Fortune back to, because the whole reason fate exists, right from, you go back and read first edition, it's written in there to say this is a deadly game, you know so you have these things to represent the fact that your characters are the heroes of the story and they'll have one or two close calls of death that you can talk about and then that's it you know like and the intention was always like a you know you get to you get to really like don't don't feel like you have to play super safe because you've got you've got like a, a, a second a second chance here you've got a second life you know Um and that's actually kind of neat. I've always kind of liked it, although I, I also just like the, oh, fuck, you're dead, sweet, see you later. I like both, right? Um, I don't think you needed to have double that with, with the resolve or resilience, whatever it was, the, the alternative to, to fate. And I don't think you needed to have the alternative to fortune either. You could have just simplified those two to go being more or less just fortune buys you rerolls. that's it, um, and fate buys is like a avoid death thing and then you can take the core ideas of the other one which is like you know overcome a psychological trauma for a single round right or whatever and include that in fortune but instead you've got four of them and they've each got like half a dozen things that they can do and it's like, you're just tracking a lot of shit. And then you have a lot of ways to just avoid trouble. Like, um, the fact that you can use resolve or resilience. Sorry, I always get them mixed up.
2: See? Yeah, resolve is the is the one that is the one that you kind of um, get back.
1: Okay, so resolve. The fact that you can spend a point of resolve to, like, automatically succeed at a role. I did that in the epilogue. The last episode of the game, I did that. And you hear Sean's reaction at, like, how cheesy it was. He's like, what? No. You know, like, instantly. Because it's like... Yeah, you know, there's this moment of tension. Yeah. We're like, fuck, what's going on here? What are we gonna do? Oh yeah. And I'm like, sweet, well, I spend a point of this thing to, to do it automatically. And he was like, where's the fun in that? I've got
2: I've got yeah, I've got huge issues with resilience. Um, because it the one of the, the main the main things of it is you can roll it to not develop a mutation. Yeah. And I was again. I was. I was really pushing Kurt to limits when I was playing that. I was taking. I was taking dark whispers on. I was taking corruption at, at various opportunities because I wanted to interact with that element of the game. Right to me, that's a big part of Woofrup. I didn't want to play it safe. I wanted to kind of, um, you know, and I was playing Kurt as this like naive kid as well who wanted to like, you know, um, isn't really thinking about the full implications of the choices he has to make. He's just thinking about the here and now. Um, which I think it probably makes sense for like how a lot of people become cultists in this setting, right? Yep. They're they're faced with impossible o- options, and it's all about survival, and that's fine. But then I, I kept thinking in the back of my head, I have this pool of resilience. I, I went with three fate and three resilience, right?
0: Yeah, I so I had I three
2: too. opportunities of getting fucking corruption that would like get to the point where I have to roll for mutation, and three times theoretically, if I'm not using it for the um, denying the um, denying a failure, I could. I could say to Sean, no, I'm not getting a mutation because I've got resilience. And that feels absolutely wrong to me, like for Warhammer. And it's, again, this is this is my 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 interaction with the setting and my interaction with how I think Warhammer should be. And I know that's not going to be the same for everyone. Some people probably really like that. Um, but for me, I, I feel like a lot of the options here, um, also with, um, you know, being immune to psychology, it's like, come on, this is, this is a setting which is meant to fuck with your head. Um, I don't like there being a um, a meta currency which allows you to ignore psychological, um, you know, immunizing yourself against against these psychological effects. Right? Um, I don't know. Like there were some interesting things there with some of the options, but as you said, they could have just been added to options with fate and fortune, or mm. or you know, like renaming them slightly. So it was like fate and resolve, maybe. Mm. Um, I don't know. Absolutely. But for me, that is yeah. that is a huge, huge downside to the to the system is the metacurrencies. It didn't feel like, it didn't, like Wolf has always had fate points. F- uh, fortune points were introduced in second edition. Third edition, um, I can't even remember, like third edition has tons of problems with it and, I, I can't even remember what, what the meta currencies, if it had it, were in. It definitely had fate points. But anyway, like fate points have been a staple of it. And fortune points, again, it allowed you to do rerolls in second edition, allowed you to have extra actions, I believe, in combat if you could spend them or half action or something. Something like that.
1: I think so, but I only ever use them for rerolls. I believe they yeah, also let I you. I most people did. I think they might have let you succeed if a single degree of success. Um,
2: right okay that was it so there was there were some like there were some options there were a few options around it and that's fine like you i think most people just use it as a as a free reroll um i know i know when i um ran second edition that was the only time people ever used it and it was almost never used it was very very rare that people remember they had those fortune points because you're saving it because it's a fucking dangerous game so you save it
1: for those dangerous roles that's like you know you're banking it you're saving it like i was always like blown away at how often you were using them for non-dangerous stuff but then i clicked about halfway through the campaign while we were playing it because i was like fuck is he using fortune again and i was like hold
2: on he's still got these other six points over here in this (laughs) i never did i ever get to a point in a session where i was like Oh shit, if only I hadn't spent that fortune, maybe once or twice out of a twenty-six yeah. episode campaign, right? Yeah. I was spending it like there was no tomorrow. I was, you know, I was literally, if I thought I needed to succeed on this, I was either spending the fortune or I was saying, give me a free success, give me some corruption, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's me interacting with the rules and and really mm-hmm. trying to like, you know, go with go with what's on my sheet. Um and also because I'm, I'm curious about like how how it affects the feel of the game rather than trying to just win. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think ultimately it didn't feel like Warhammer to me. It felt it felt a little bit too heroic. I think that's that's the kind of the the effect that all these meta currencies have on the game. Yes, so absolutely, hundred yeah. percent. All right, let's move. Should we move to the next one. Yeah, ambitions. This might be more of something for me. I um, think it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is this is probably nitpicky. I I like games uh, i'm I'm a little bit different to liam on this but i do like games like um the burning wheel stable of things where you have the bits um again i'm a big year zero engine fan and you have these different elements of your personality which are things they can't be things like a motivation or an ambition or a goal or a pride or whatever it's called um as well as something like a problem or a vice or something like that um and then relationships with the with other characters and those are elements I really enjoy. I really enjoy thinking about them for my character and interacting with them in the in the game. Um, I didn't. F- I felt like ambitions here was playing lip service to personality traits and characters, and I f- again feel like they just took they took an idea and they went way too far with it. Where you don't have one ambition, you have four fucking ambitions. You have to keep track of, and I can see why they did it. It kind of makes sense and all the rest of it, but it just. Didn't feel very relevant to me in the game, and again, part of that is I came up with a really shit ambition at the start, and I didn't put a lot of, I didn't put enough time into it. I didn't, I put more um, thought into my long term ambitions and agreeing the group's ambitions than I did about my short term ambition, Mm. Um, and I just, I don't think, and in the end, it all it does is it gives you a little bit of an XP boost if you, um, if you, you know, if you succeed at your ambition. So it also felt like there wasn't much point in me interacting with it because I didn't really care that much about, um, you know, squeezing every little bit of XP I could out of the game. Um, so for me, I think this is more from perhaps from putting my designer hat on is kind of like, okay, you've 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 put the personality trait into the game box ticked, but I don't I don't I don't personally like the implementation. I think they could have done something a little bit more interesting. Um, you know, gone with with things like some sort of a problem or a vice or whatever you want to call it. Um, and a single thing, like a motivation, and that could be something like you're motivated by greed or you're motivated by, um, ambition or, um, lust or, you know, whatever, like you could, you could kind of keep it shorter and just think like, this is a general thing about your, like, there's something about your past that like, what is that motivates you? Um, like, you know, it's going to make your, is going to make more situations a little bit more interesting. Um, that's again. That's a personal thing, and I just felt like it fell. Ambitions fell a little flat. So I know. I know. No, like very few people kind of agree with me on this. Um, I mean, but yeah, yeah. Anyway, nah. I I personally don't
1: care about that stuff too much. Uh, the last thing I'd want to do is add more fucking mechanics to the <laughs> game. But um, not like um
2: uh yeah but I'm not I, talking about adding mechanics. Yeah. I'm talking about like the whole point of these is the ambitions are meant to be like the things that are driving your character like to like make make your character's actions in the game um kind of make sense, like you have something that you're you're striving for, and then you get a little bit of an XP bonus to it. I don't even think you need to have any kind of bonus to it, but just having these personality traits to help mm-hmm. you get into the head of your character Absolutely. can't yeah. hurt. And I just felt like having these mechanized, these four mechanized elements to to ambition. It took a it took a little bit of time to come up with them, and then they were. I think we kind of really didn't. Some people did interact with them a bit more. I know Ryan had his had short term ambitions where he which he was ticking off. I think everybody else actually had um, short term ambitions that they were kind of ticking off.
1: You were definitely like dra- dragging behind that one a bit. The one who actually used it the most was um, was um, Josh. His whole. The whole, the whole vow of silence and everything was part of his ambitions, mm. stuff like that. So, um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Like, it's something which I didn't think about too much and I don't really engage with because it's not a mechanic I generally favor. Um, so I can't yeah. really comment on it too much. I did like having group ambitions. I like that. I like having, like, yeah. a group. Like, why are we together? What are we doing as a group more than I care about personal stuff? But um, Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, yeah. That's That's true. In fact, this is one of the things from third edition I really like is that you had a group sheet, which had um, a little bit of a, a few me- um, mechanics around like your your group as a like things that you're things that you're trying to do. And uh, um, anyway, I don't like the way they implemented it fully. But the idea <laughs> that there is something there's something with you as a group that is kind of mechanized is a, is a kind of cool idea. Um, and I agree. I think having a group, a single group ambition is probably a, a cool idea, but Anyway, we don't need to talk about this much longer. It's it's very much, I know it's, I'm aware it's very much a, a personal bugbear of mine, um, where it was kind of like, you could have done, you could have done something actually a little bit more interesting here, but instead we get more of this, like taking the one idea too far, um, and it kind of loses something in the process. Mm. Oh, absolutely. And just tying it to XP is a little bit, a little bit boring as well, I think. I remember you at the time being
1: annoyed with it. So, um, yeah. yeah. no, it, it's, it's, And that didn't
2: change really. Yeah. Okay. Um, armor. You kind of mentioned it before. We, we mentioned it during um, how it's interacting with everything. The one thing we didn't talk about with armor, which is what um, I didn't like, um, again, is that it made your characters feel too safe. And I've, mm. I've heard the arguments. I've heard people saying, well, that's what armor is designed to do. It's designed to make you safe. Um, and kudos to the developers for thinking outside the box, not just having armor soak uh, wounds. Um or you know, adding toughness bonuses or whatever. Like you know, they actually thought about how can we how can we add some additional um, utility to armor, and it was the it was the cancelling of critical hits which did it for me. Um, I wanted I wanted Kurt. Throughout this campaign, I wanted him to like lose an arm, lose an ear, lose an eye, like develop a limp, um, all this sort of stuff. I nearly did. I got into the fight with that fucking dwarf that <laughs> that nearly had me have a critical where I was gonna have a broken hip, right? I was gonna be I was gonna be a shit scout sneaking around in the forest when I can barely bend over to like sneak. Um, you know what I mean? That that would have been a really interesting development arc for Kurt. Um, to have that broken hip, to have to completely um, change his class away from peasant, which is also another issue I've got, um, to something else to kind of more fit in with, you know, reacting to things. But no, I had leather armor. I had simple fucking leather armor, and I could scrap it to to not have a broken hip. And that just felt <laughs> like, for me, that took me straight out of the game um, immersion-wise and was like, alright, well, obviously I don't want a broken hip, and I have the armor, so of course I'm going to spend it to, to have it happen. But at the same time, I was thinking, like, for fuck's sake, like, Kurt, like, I'm just making, I'm being really reckless. I'm playing him like this naive country bumpkin who just gets himself into hot water all the time, expecting bad shit to happen. The bad shit happens, and then I'm able to just kind of hand wave it away because the rules are the rules give me the tools to do that. And um, yeah, for me, I I didn't like that. And it's again, it's a simple thing to house rule. You just say, okay, armor can't cancel criticals, um, or we do we do the house rule that we implemented, which is that. Depending on the number of wounds that a critical um, hit inflicts, that it requires that number of armor points to to like reduce it, if that makes sense, right? So if you have a minor critical, um, if you're rolling low on the critical injury table, um, then yeah, your leather armor would be able to stop it, and you would have to scrap the still scrap the armor for it to do that. But if you're going to be taking the really big critical, if you're taking a really big critical injury, big hit. Um, then you need some some solid armor to to stop that from killing you or from from actually coming to play. Yeah, so it was, um, I think that's a good that was a good house rule. But at right, the same Rodgers time, come up with that. it was um, yeah, yeah yeah that was really good. No, I agree.
1: Because um, I, I my thinking when we were doing it, like because as I said before, the the frequency of critical hits has increased. Um, that mm. especially happened in. Uh, one of the episodes, my character was fighting skeletons of spears um, and uh, the spears do criticals on the teens digits as well as doubles. So hmm. instead of it just being yeah. like, yeah, 11, 22, 33, it's also 10, 20, 30. So you've doubled the chances of a critical, right? Um So when you've got criticals happening that much more often, you do need some sort of counter. Otherwise, every single critical has a chance to just kill your character. I mean, that's kind of what fate and fortune's there for, I guess. But um, I do like the idea of spending armor to get rid of criticals. But yeah, there has to be a balance. Like either, do I think the house rule, Rodger's house rule is perfect. That's great. Um, You roll a big enough critical, you need to have some pretty good armor or it's not going to do it. Yeah, um, because like, um, fucking Fred was walking around with a lot of armor. He was walking around with leather armor with mail and a hard leather breastplate because they could all stack. So on his body he had a lot of armor, um, and he could and you throw a shield in there. He could tank a lot of shit, like it was ridiculous. Um, and again, people out there will say that's what armor's made to do. Sure, um, but then. Yeah, I've heard horror stories online of people at zero wounds and then every hit they take is obviously a critical, so they're just slowly churning through their armour and it's death by a thousand cuts, and that's not cool. That's not Warhammer. <laughs> Warhammer, is you're at zero wounds, now we get to see the cool shit that happens to your character. Roll on the critical hit table. Um, yeah, and um, I do think, yeah, there has to be some sort of balance there. The the Rodder's house rule is absolutely should be the norm, 100%. Um. Yeah, the fact yeah. that it isn't <laughs> is a bit annoying. Um. Yeah. It, it's. It's.
2: Oh. Again, this is where I kind of I feel like it didn't get enough playtesting, um, like, like public playtesting, which I think would have really in a game this 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 complex and this crunchy, um, it needed streamlining and. It would have. I know. Like as soon as it came out, people were talking about the magic system and how OP it was and how they were house ruling it. People were talking about um, all the different elements of combat and how they were house ruling it. And I think, I think that would have been really good to have, if they hadn't have. And Cubicle Seven probably would have been quite receptive to it if they hadn't have just printed however many thousand copies of it. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know. Anyway.
1: And it's not like there wasn't communities waiting to to beta test this shit. You had the Ratcatchers Guild. You had the Warhammer 4th Edition Facebook group. Yeah. Both across the two of them. That's like something close yeah. to fucking eight to 10,000 members. And the same was maybe not at yeah. that time, but now. And the same was true of, you know, like the Reddit group and all of that. Like there was a lot of people out there ready to playtest the fuck out of it. Um, or even just, you know, reach out to people outside of your team. Let them play it. Yeah. I've, you know, having this conversation out loud... And I'm um, thinking of the you mentioning these various mechanics, or us mentioning them, and me thinking, where else have I seen that mechanic before? Does make me wonder if they're trying a bit too hard to make this the game for everybody, because,
2: right, like, oh, absolutely, we were talking about they're trying to they're trying to to make the first edition and the second edition people happy. Um, but also
1: the D&D crowd because they've, they've, yeah, they've yeah. got you yeah. know, a class-like system. They're trying to make yeah. the um, – and also more heroic of all these metacurrencies. With the metacurrencies and the advantage, they're trying to make it feel a bit more like 2D20 games. With the fact that you mm. can burn through armor to avoid damage, that's lifted straight out of like a lot of the more popular OSR games like the Black Hack where you burn armor Instead of using it to reduce damage. They've got all these systems. Like I feel like the guys as they're writing this probably played 101 systems for ideas to bring. And then they just fucking brought all of them. (laughs) You know, (laughs) like they didn't and they didn't really try and hone it down. And it's just there's this it's literally the the whole fucking kitchen sink and everything is thrown into this. Uh, and it's all over the show. And it's a shame because underneath it all, in there somewhere with a bit of polish and a bit of banging and stuff, there's potential there for a great fucking game. But um, unfortunately for me, uh, they've made it all too interlocking um, to be easily fixed and polished. Um I personally would rather go back to second edition and fix the flaws there, than try and get this to
2: a place where I'm happy with it. You know, um, it's is a shame. Yeah, I think I think this is the the big question everyone asks is we've made it quite public that we're not that happy with how fourth edition has turned out, and we've mentioned since we started mentioning that we're first that we were considering doing a season two of Carrying Company, and then that we were actively looking to schedule it in. Um, people have been asking us are you going to use fourth edition are you going to switch to a different system um people have been suggesting second edition swyhander like all sorts of stuff and i think the answer to that is our gm is happy with fourth edition and wants to continue using fourth edition so we will continue using fourth edition however would i ever want to run fourth edition (laughs) and my answer is resounding hell no (laughs) Hell no. No way. Um, uh, like uh, to to be able to house rule it to the point where I would actually want to engage with it as a GM, I would basically have to spend probably a year or like I'd have to, I, I don't know, I'd have like a document of my house rules printed out, which would just be a fucking pain in the arse to reference all the time. Or I'd have to like retype the entire game with my, you know, as a reference document with all my house rules implemented so that I'm not referencing the game half, the book half the time and my rules half the time. No, it's just too much. And I would either do what, what Liam has, has said, which is um take an earlier edition and bring in some of the good innovations from fourth edition into it, like opposed roles, um, like downtime theoretically, um, fast SL is a really good one. Like the things we've been the talking social about. Social class right? system. That's dope. I love it. Social class system, like all yeah. the career like maybe also like trying to do something with a career system as well that makes sense. Um those sorts of things. And that those are those are small changes that would just make the earlier editions feel a little bit more uh, well solve some of the issues with the, with the, more the well additions. rounded right like it, it's it's iteration yeah. Yeah. it's all
1: iterative it's not completely transformational they haven't tried to recreate the wheel the way that this yeah. game, like, like I feel like this is iterative too. But as Matt's already pointed out, iterative in a bad way, where they've just kept adding, 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 adding. adding yeah, and yeah. no one's come yeah. along and been like, whoa, 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 calm down, mate. You're just trying to build a fence. Why? why <laughs> what have you done? Like, why have you gone to this crazy thing? Yeah, you know, like, um, yeah,
2: yeah. And I think it's I think it's really telling that um, the response to third edition of Warhammer has been Swyander. And then fourth edition, which are both very, very crunchy, throw the kitchen sink um, approaches to the game, where it's like third edition was too narrative, was too different. We're going back to our roots and then we're going to just add, keep adding and adding and adding features so that everyone's happy. And it's resulted in in games that are extremely crunchy. And as a response to those, I think it's very interesting to see that we have games like Best Left Buried, 17th Century Minimalist, Warlock, which are effectively... Recreating that Warhammer feel, but with simple yeah. mechanics, and I'm actually also um, I'm also creating Pitchfork, which is mm-hmm. my response to the complexity of Warhammer to, to play Warhammer with um, a different system. Tuesday night games, and is I think doing that's really Mellowing telling. As well, yeah, T- yeah. Tuesday night lands doing Motherland, which is exactly the same. And I'm sure I'm sure if you look at if we come back to this in a year's time, there are going to be a handful of other games on the market which are rules lighter, Woofrup style games Mm -hmm. right where you're looking at um you're looking it feels just like warhammer it just doesn't have the setting attached because of ip reasons but you can basically pick that up play in the old world you can play the enemy within and you know there's very little tweaking to just npc stats or something and otherwise it fits perfectly in tone and all the rest of it and i think that's really telling that for hammer that fourth edition doesn't have people just like like when they want to play warhammer they're not reaching for fourth edition unanimously and saying Um, this is the game I'm going to use for Warhammer because it's perfect. There, There are lighter games coming out, more streamlined games coming out, and that already exist that allow you to, you know... To, to do exactly mm. that, to have a more streamlined um, experience. Yeah, so, well, like, there's, there's been know.
1: a big boom in the last, like, three or four months And um, BOSR, right? British OSR, that's boomed. Yeah, like, We first started seeing yeah. that hashtag a year ago, and it's grown in the last year. Like, it's gotten really big. On Twitter, if you go search it, you see some cool shit coming up. And all the BOSR stuff is generally trying to capture two vibes, fighting fantasy and Warhammer. Like, they're trying to do one or the other, or generally both, right, a lot of the time. Um, and that's really interesting to me. And I feel like, as as Matt just pointed out, like, um, Warhammer 4th Edition and Zweihander uh, have indirectly done for the British OSR scene what fourth edition Dungeons and Dragons did for the original OSR scene, where it's like people have looked at it and gone, fuck this. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go do something else and do it myself. This is not working for me. Um and that's what's that seems to be what's happening. Like you look at Warlock, Warlock is the most popular game by far on our on our affiliate link. And we haven't even reviewed it. You know, like people are loving that shit, and that that game is is a hundred percent just trying to capture old school Warhammer in a bottle, and people are loving it. Um, and then I've seen an early screenshot of Motherland, and I have no doubt when that game comes out, that's going to be the new Warhammer for everybody, probably myself included, because it's looking fucking amazing. Um, and then Pitchfork will be great because Matt's great, and I like to prop up my mate, even though dice pools are dumb but um <laughs> but uh you know it's um the stuff's out there you know, uh, and yeah. uh yeah i feel like it's going to keep coming um and this game i think in in a way that cubicle 7 probably didn't hope for is going to revitalize the warhammer community but not not the way that they
2: hoped um well like look at the osr right the osr came about Started like I think in th- around third edition, yeah. The, o- with with the when um, they released OGL. the the um, SRD yeah. or the OGL, and then it really took off after fourth edition mm-hmm. came out and Pathfinder started coming up, and people were like, okay, D and D is going in a direction we don't we don't like, and we want to take it back to its roots, which is something much simpler, right? Um, and I think we're getting that we're we're experiencing a similar movement now with with Woofrop. Wolf, Rup. Wolf Rup is a big is a big game. It's a big um, part of the role playing industry, like the history of role playing. From a British perspective, it's been around since like what is '86 or something when the first mm-hmm. edition came out. So, you know, not as early as D D, but still like it was you know from the '80s. And yeah, I think it's kind of exciting to see these these kind of retro the, these kind of games that are trying to tap back to the you know to try and pay homage um, or homage, however you want to pronounce that to to you know Warhammer as a as a setting and as a as a tone of game as a as a kind of theme. Um, yeah, it's exciting, and I, I I really hope we we see more and more games coming out because I think variety is the spice of life, and the more we have the more options people have to play that, the better it's it's gonna be for everyone, mm. right
1: and also, I mean, as we saw with d and d, you know having this big reaction from that side of things forced them to recalibrate and come back with an addition that by all accounts d and d players really like even within the o s m um so. Maybe 5th edition yeah. Warhammer will be dope too. Not You know? Maybe. We'll see. Um, yeah, it be interesting yeah. to see who, who writes yeah. it, but we'll see. Um, there's a few things on our list that uh, we've got here that we haven't really played around with too much, but I think a couple of them yeah. especially are definitely worth mentioning. Um, sure. So Magic. Magic is one. I played a Magic user briefly. My secondary character was a Magic user, but I never played them in combat. They weren't like a battle mage. Um so I didn't get to experience something which I've seen people bemoan at length, which is <laughs> the way... Bright wizards! Yeah. Like bright wizards, or anything they can sort of throw dart or whatever it is. There's like a spell that's like a magic missile, basically. Um and with magic, like, it can't miss. If you cast it successfully, it hits automatically. And it works for the way advantage works, obviously, is you steal that advantage. Every time you succeed, you gain advantage. So um, you had the spell that you could cast. All you needed to do was successfully channel the spell or cast the spell where it hits automatically. Boom, you get advantage. So there's this fella, you know, like, let's say, let's pretend that we had a wizard on our side in your camp fight. And that the, you had that um, zealot with the flail, uh, the, the flagellant, who had um, who had just killed Poyota, and he was tearing Kurt apart, and he had so much advantage, it wasn't funny. Like, he was just untouchable. And that made for a tense moment. He nearly killed Kurt. He had did kill an NPC, and then he come across, and it took Fred to take him out. Um, if we had had a wizard with Dart, that wouldn't have been a problem. Would have been, bang, advantage gone. And then every round, the wizard's casting dart, gaining advantage. Someone finally decides to charge the wizard. They charge this wizard who has a really low weapon skill. But because he's got five advantage at that point, he's rolling 80% chance (laughs) to hit in combat. How the fuck does that make sense? (laughs) It doesn't. It doesn't. It's broken. It's absolutely broken. And people called this out on day one of the PDF dropping. In the Rat Catchers Guild, as soon as that come out, people are like, hold on, this must be a flaw. On day one, people called (laughs) down.
2: Yep, Yep. So yeah, as Liam says, we're not mentioning Magic because we didn't play with Magic. Um, If there's one thing to me that isn't a part of my Warhammer. It's Same, magic. I, yeah. I'm not, I, I think Warhammer is more interesting without um, wizards in it.
1: This is the first time I ever played a magic user, this campaign, and I deliberately yeah. played them low key, not running around. You know,
2: so. Yeah. I think the only time I would, I would be keen to see how magic works in the system would be with hedge wizards yeah. because, you know, who are not going to, we're not trying to get into a college who are, you know, um, unlicensed practitioners or, um, yeah that sort of thing that's interesting to me but the the like the badass um magic users like elves i i just couldn't care less about them i don't want you know i'm not interested if you have an elf make it a fucking mentally um you know someone who's someone who's got a disorder who thinks it's an ogre then then i'm happy with an elf <laughs> being in in my warhammer um, for life. but if you've got a normal <laughs> elf i could yeah i could i could fucking care less personally so yeah i'm anyway like magic yeah as Liam said there are people who love magic and were very very interested in like for them that was the most interesting thing about what Warhammer 4th edition was going to be bringing was how is magic going to be treated in this game because magic is an integral part of the Warhammer setting with the um the winds of magic and the colleges etc and how is that mechanically going to be um implemented and yeah people some, some people are happy with it some people aren't whatever um so yeah Anyway, so we haven't played with it. That's the main thing. Liam had the secondary character, but didn't get a chance really to be like casting spells or anything, which is, I guess, really how you would be like most of the complaints around that. So
0: yeah.
2: it was more just narrative from your perspective. Um, the other thing we didn't get a chance, I'm very disappointed actually about this, that we didn't really get a chance to interact with are the corruption tables and the psychology rules. Um, mm. Because to me, we played a 26 episode campaign and... Um, And there was a lot of horrible shit going on. (laughs) And I'm just surprised that, um, you know, I was pushing, I was literally pushing Kurt to the point, I was trying to push him to the breaking point, taking on corruption whenever I could, because that interests me in the game is, again, as I've I've already said, I wanted to kind of pursue that angle with him. And it just felt like, you know, with tying it back to resilience, like it just felt like I was never really at risk of that happening. And I'm a little bit disappointed. I really wish I could have an opinion on psychology and corruption, as it as it relates to you know actual an actual like actual experience with it from play, but we don't, and I'm a little bit yeah. disappointed. So um, maybe in season two, um, that'll come into play a bit more. We'll see. I'm, I'm certainly i can promise right now whichever character i play i am not going to be i'm not gonna be afraid to take on corruption or to um you know to have psychology affect me yeah I believe you seeing how we'll see. recklessly you played Kurt <laughs> i am just based off um I might take a halfling just so i'm getting i'm just getting psychological damage from all angles oh, God. that would <laughs> I don't think
1: Sean would actually allow that. I, <laughs> I don't know
2: if that would th- talk about not in my <laughs> warhammer hashtag not in my warhammer. <laughs> no fucking halflings or gnomes. Um, not by the way, my I, I love halflings, so um, I, I yeah, I um, we won't go there.
1: I just based off a read of it, based off reading the stuff. My um, main complaint was just how they got rid of insanity and they tied it together with corruption, um, and you do have yeah. like spiritual or internal corruption which is kind of insanity but i realize it's it's not quite so um safest a, a topic these days or as acceptable a topic and it's something you have to handle delicately um so i can understand the desire and also most people in the world if you were say to be schizophrenic they're likely to say oh you've got demons inside you so i kind of get it i guess i just i don't know i feel like it's Warhammer straying
2: away from yeah. its Call of Cthulhu roots in a way. Um, yeah, I would yeah. agree with that. And they 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 kind of have a section in the psychology bit of the book that has custom psychology, um, where it tells you how to create your own psychological traits to reflect the events of your game. So kind of saying, here are the tools to create PTSD and schizophrenia and all the rest of it, but we're not actually going to do it ourselves. Yeah. Um, and I. Because, like, if you look at the psychological traits, there's what, like, um, six of them: one, two, three, four, five, six. Six psychological traits. They're they're kind of vague, mm. um, and yeah, it is. It does feel very different that you know we don't have the insanity um, or sanity or whatever that that characteristic anymore, and yeah, that the kind of disorders are now mental corruption. And I'd, I'm not a big fan of how that's been done either, but. Um, Anyway, I would still like to interact with it because for me, that's a big part of, of Warhammer is the is the is the Call of Cthulhu um, roots and that descent into um, not just madness, but just the descent into general shit. Like, you, like your character is doomed. Um, you want to go out adventuring in this world? Great. Don't expect it. Don't expect it to come out the other end rich, happy, and to live until you're like ninety years old. Mm-hmm. You know, you can expect to to get like a third arm um I don't know, to go mad or something or or die, you know, or like like mm-hmm. lose a limb or something. That's that's Warhammer to me. That is you've had this you've had this good go of things. You've you've saved a little pocket of um this like little it's not saving the world, it's saving this little like, you know, saving the day in this little this little way. And in the grand scheme of things, the world is still fucked. Chaos is still out there. Um but at least, you know, that village or that group of people Will survive to fight another, like to breathe another day, and they might die tomorrow. That's still Warhammer, mm-hmm. right? Um, and at the cost of that is like you've done that, you've played the, you've played the hero in inverted commas, but as a result, like you're kind of fucked up as a result. And I don't feel like this game no. really does that. No. Doesn't really, doesn't really cater to that. You have to really, really want to, or you have to really push your character hard, um, or ignore certain things. Like if you're if you have resilience, you could. It's like an option to spend the resilience, mm-hmm. right? So. Like I could say, I'm not going to spend resilience. I want to take, I want to take a mutation. So you have that option of doing that. Um, But again, you probably wouldn't. I think most people probably wouldn't. Most people wouldn't. Like I, I, I spent, I, I wanted to see Kurt, like get some, get some injuries and stuff, but I did, I did scrap my leather armor to stop that hip, that hip wound. So anyway, cool. Um, Last thing that we I wanted to mention. Um, that, uh, last thing that I wanted to mention. Liam might have some more things that we're aware that there are people debating this. And the reason that we haven't really talked about it is because we didn't experience really much in the game. Is the size yeah. mechanic, um, and that uh, there are issues around it. We did size did come into play with pig iron, um, but we didn't really. Um, it didn't really feel like there was a lot of interaction from my perspective in that combat with it. Um, I don't, but that's also because pig iron wasn't attacking me. I was, you know, I was hiding in a stairwell, shooting, shooting pig iron with a with mm-hmm. a bow. Um, he <laughs> was the one going toe to toe. But like you would see it more with if we had halfling, if we had like a halfling character. Um, and in fact, we did have a halfling NPC, which we did have in a combat. So there was size, yeah. kind of. <laughs> there was size that was. So the size mechanics come into come into play a little bit, but I have no recollection of how it actually worked in practice. So
1: they did in the very first combat too, when um when because at the time Ryan had a horse and he charged the the gores with the horse, um and he used size effectively there on the charge, he, like because he was charging okay. and had the size advantage. All up, he had like a plus thirty or something. It was ridiculous. Um. So, but it worked quite well. And he he deliberately played a character with a horse for that reason. Like as 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 the person who had internalized to the system the most of all of us, he he noticed the advantage of riding a horse straight away because of size, and he was all about that until Pig Iron ate the horse.
2: <laughs> and, then, and then that was it. Like, that. did RGM feed the horse to pig iron to take that away? Who knows? <laughs> um, <laughs> All we know is that Ryan was not happy. No, Ryan was <laughs> devastated. Um, <laughs>
1: but um, yeah, no, nah, it was. Um, yeah, size definitely comes across as, and also there's there's other flaws with the size mechanic too. Like, if two giants are punching at each other, they're not doing. They're not hitting each other as hard as they hit another person. Now I understand that, you know, like yeah, normally the way you'd me- mechanize that is you'd make a giant just more resilient in general. But this game hasn't done that. It, it's yeah, or like it's it's a lot easier to hit something that's bigger than you. But if you're big, it's like look. For example, right? Okay, here's here's my complaint. Let's imagine there's a giant standing next to Frederick. Both of them have crossbows shooting at another giant. They've calculated the ease of hitting a large target based on the size difference. So it's easier for Fred to shoot the giant than it is for the giant. It's an equally big target to either of them. How the fuck does that work? You know? So it's like, there's little things like that where it just doesn't make sense. Um, It's it's a weird thing. Like, I I get what they're trying to do, but I think there's more elegant ways to do it. I don't know. Yeah, I think,
2: yeah, there are quite a few. There are quite a few elements around size. I remember Roder's bringing them up um, in Discord quite a few times, and again, this comes back to the the fact that it just feels like this didn't. This would have benefited from size. Would have benefited from some playtesting to um, to to like just tweak it a bit. It just needs a bit of tweaking, yeah. I think. Um, anyway, and there are house rules out there to to tweak size. Um, Roder's, for example, has <laughs> although Roder's isn't is is so upset with 4th uh, edition that he's not like he's made all these house rules but he's he's, he's, given it he's up, so. playing uh, yeah Mithras instead and
1: I think now he's moving over to Warlock <laughs> yeah um one thing yeah. I did like that we didn't get to play with because we were players is it looks like for the most part um like NPCs have simplified stats not massively simplified but both of us are fans of um easier to manage NPC stats um so, you know, I like that. Um, but again, like, they have monster traits, which are on top of talents, which they also have, which is on top of <laughs> weapon traits, which they also, you know what I mean? Like, they just added more shit to track, which is, yeah, I, I have no desire to, to ever GM this game. Because um, <laughs> that's the last thing I want to do. Yeah. When the GM is, like, generally considered to be the arbiter of the rules at the table, um like I don't, like, I wouldn't want to GM this game unless I had Orion at the table who had internalized it, and I could look at them every time the rules question come up. Because fuck me, there's a lot going. <laughs> there is a lot, and it's a shit. Like oh, this is the thing. It was so close on paper. It looked like they were there. Um, and it's Warhammer. I, I fuck. I, of course, I'm gonna love it. You know. Um, and it, it returned to a lot of the classical things about the setting and stuff that we wanted to see and blah, 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 like there was a lot there that we really wanted Um, and I was so ready to like mm. it, that's why I bought a collector's edition of the game, I was like, this is my game, this is it, yeah, you know, Warhammer's back baby, as someone who didn't get into third, third edition, I'm like, here we go, we're back, we're back, fucking Zweihander can piss off, third edition can piss off, we're back, oh no you know oh no oh fuck oh no that meme where you've got the car driving along and it's doing a handbrake turn off to the right you know that meme where it's like you know like you've got the one obvious choice and then a bad choice to the right and it's always handbraking to the right that's this that's this addition for me it's a shame because I'm really willing to like it like it looks cool it's got heaps of cool shit in it there's a lot of stuff there which I intend to borrow um yeah, and that, that all of this is ignoring how poorly I personally feel C7 is handling it with their delays with releases and, you know, poor communication mm. with the community and other various faux pas that have gone on recently. And, and like, there's a lot of people in the community getting really upset with them. And, like, even ignoring all of that, I feel like this, this edition sort of, has sort of missed the mark for me in a way that's devastating as a fucking Warhammer fan. Like, yeah, I'm such a big fan mm. of this fucking game that you and I started a fucking Discord about it, which yeah is now fucking huge. I still yeah. moderate. I'm technically yeah. a model that Discord, but I'm pretty inattentive if I'm honest. I'm definitely the absentee father of that that <laughs> channel. Um, but I'm also a moderator on that on a Facebook group as well. I, I genuinely am passionate about Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, and this was so close. This was the Anakin Skywalker of fucking, like yeah. You know, I feel like Ben Kenobi being like, "You are the chosen one." <laughs> like, why did you fuck this up? <laughs> um, and it's it's heartbreaking. And then yeah. So that I've I I for me personally, I've not been investing any money in any of the new material coming out. Um, I'm sure Same. it's good stuff.
2: But... I I got the I got the starter kit. Oh, I will say that I bought the yeah. starter kit. Um. But I'm not picking up, and I got, in fact, before before we started the campaign, um, or even in fact when the campaign was still going, I was buying some of the early, um, kind of lower priced, uh, supplements that were coming out. But I've not bought Death on the Reich, um, although I'm kind of curious about it. I don't have any plans to do it. Um, I don't know. And like the Rough Night of the Three mm. Feathers re redo one, Rough Nights and Hard Things. It's, um, it's, it's all like,
1: old shit. I've got the originals. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah i mean the things that the thing that interested me the most and the reason i bought the starter this the um, starter box or whatever it's called um is that it had a really interesting people really raving about the um the adventure book and the uber's right guide that was in it and um that that shit really interests me i'm interested in like the um in the lore i'm interested in adventure hooks i'm adventure i'm advent- in, uh, interested in tools that will allow me to play interesting adventures mm. in the setting but you know yeah, exactly. I have I have the first edition um, Enemy Within books. I don't because fourth edition it isn't doing it for me. I'm kind of curious about what the changes have been made, but I'm not willing to invest the money into getting it. I don't think so.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like for me, it's it's a combination of like I'm not interested in fourth edition, and I'm I I can definitely empathise with people who are a bit upset with the way C7s handled it. So like for example as I'm sure you know, I don't need to necessarily play a system or play even games from a particular company to support them. I own everything Mm. Free League has released in physical copies up until they did Alien. So I've got everything for Mutant Year Zero. I have everything for Coriolis. I have everything for Forbidden Lands. And I have everything from Tales from the Loop. And I've played none of them. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, I do not regret any of those purchases because I want to support Free League because they're a great fucking company and they make cool games and one day I will want to play them. Now, I do want to play them. It's just, I, have, I want to play fucking everything. Yeah, that's my problem. <laughs> <sighs> my most favorite game franchise in fucking history and I'm not supporting them. They've, they've somehow lost me. Um, I, I, I can't put it down to anything in particular, but I'm, they've somehow managed to lose my excitement. And it's devastating. I still love Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay. I still want to play Second Edition. I still want to play Warlock. I still want to play all these other things. Capturing it, but fuck me, this game's lost it. And I, like, I'll still play it to play with Sean. I'll still play it to play Carrying Company. I look forward to it. Um, but yeah, mm. the, yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. heartbreaking to say that because this is, like I said, this is my favorite shit. It, it, it's hands down. Like un un like is at a level that is unattainable to other games. The one that comes closest is like RuneQuest, And even then it's not quite there. Um, and it's, oh man.
2: <sighs> yeah. It'd be interesting to see if we do, um, for this, for the second season, um, whether we, whether we kind of add to the house rules. Um, because I think the other thing is that we don't all agree on the issues that it has. I think Liam and I are in kind of basically more or less quite similar yep. mindsets about the game. um, but not everyone is i know like ryan um ryan like has really good he's he's got the rules mastery he's he's the kind of the rules lawyer at the table not to call him a rules lawyer cuz he's not like that but if we have if we have a question about the rules we can oh, absolutely. ask him he's games. like
1: that for all games he's a um, savant at that stuff this is just what he does yeah yeah
2: so like he's not he's he's not going to probably be too interested in house rules that are going to reduce complexity cuz that's not for him that's not really an issue um and you know, complexity means options, and if you can keep track of all that, great. That's but for us, it's just too much, generally. And I think that goes. You made a really good point as well, which is the type of people that are going to like um, fourth edition, and the people, the type of people who probably aren't. And we're probably not the tar- target demographic because of this podcast, because we're both designing our own games on the side. We are constantly running and reading and reviewing other games. We are developing our own games, and that means we just don't have the time to invest in a very super crunchy game like this. It's not the one game that we're going to be just playing and just running for the next three or four years and nothing else. Because if that was the case, then maybe a lot of the issues that we have um, become a little bit more manageable, Mm -hmm. right? Because you, you can have that mastery. You don't need to be referencing things all the time. You know straight away that, oh yeah, but wait, hold on. You've got this talent, don't you? So that gives you that affects your SL in this way. What's your SL on your tracker? Great. Blah, blah 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 blah. Um, you know, or you use Foundry and it kind of automates a lot of those, a lot of those things for you. But for us, yeah. Um it's it's a game we will invest with we will invest time in as players with Sean because he's a good GM. And the, you know, we want to keep that that um actual play campaign going. But yeah. I will never bring this or suggest to play this for anyone. And for me, that's a pity. I have I have a campaign I've I've been wanting to run for a long time. This um, gangs of Marienburg, and I bought like I managed to get my hands on a used copy of the first edition um, sold down the river Marienburg supplement, which is fucking awesome. Um, absolutely able to be used with any edition. Um, and it's it's my it's my dream Warhammer campaign, right? It's this big open sandbox in Marienburg, which is a city I've always been intrigued by, and I've never experienced either as a player or a GM. So for me, it's like that's a that's a big thing I'm gonna do. And I was so looking forward to running it in fourth edition. I even in the Rat Catchers Guild, um, one of the first things I did in there was I created like a, a like a, um, a category in Discord. Which if you don't use Discord, that won't mean anything to you. Basically, I created like a little room in our Discord server. Where um, I could I could run Gangs of Marienburg in fourth edition as a play by post with people from the Ratcatchers Guild, and I very quickly had people signing up to it. Um, we created characters, and then and then I started interacting with the rules, and then I was like, okay, I can't run this right now. It's um, like I need some time to get my head around how it all works, and that was it. After that, nothing happened. I kind of said, you know, I kind of realized that this is not a game I actually want to run. Um, yeah. So, yeah, pity. Yeah, and the thing is as well, like, we're sort
1: of getting into broader philosophical or business decisions here. Um, yeah, if, I mean, if this was designed as your one game and you're going to take that time to learn that system and use this game forever, great. But then if, I don't know if that, I, I question if that was a deliberate design choice to make that one, because we like we, for example, when we did Simbaroom, um, Matthias made it clear that he made Symbroon to be your one game, right? I'm not sure if that was a deliberate decision yeah. on the part of this game because if it did, surely then they would have made that same system applicable to the two other games that have a related heritage with this, which is the 40K game, To be which to be fair, they didn't hear it, but also, um, right, which is Wrath and Glory, but also Age of Sigma Soulbound, Soulbound. which... Yeah, you know, Like, if you've heard of Warhammer, you've probably heard of those other two franchises because they're all from GW, yet they all have different systems. So again, it's like, surely if you're going to make us take the time to memorise this system, you'll do, you'll do what Free League do and allow me to take that investment and at least use part of it in one of these other franchises. Again, I get it with Wrath and Glory, they inherited yeah. that. They didn't inherit Age of Sigma. They built that from scratch and they made it completely different. So it's like... Yeah, (laughs) like I've I've taken years buying these products and learning them. You release a new game, great. Oh, look, it's another Warhammer game. Sweet, that sounds like a bit of me. Buy it. Fuck, I have to start again. How does that make sense? You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? (laughs) It's just it's just frustrating, man. At this point, I'm just ranting and, and raving because, like I said, for me, this was the chosen one, and I fucked it up. But um, yeah, I I don't get it. I don't. I don't get it. It doesn't doesn't make sense to me. It's, it's some weird choices made along the way. Um, I don't know if that was necessary. That might not have been with C7's fault. That may have been GW's fault. We know They're, it's not like they don't have a history of fucking with people's shit with this. But um,
2: yeah, who knows? Also, I think I think to be fair to Soulbound, it wouldn't work with D one hundred. D one hundred is by default meant for yeah. like grittier grittier playstyle, and Soulbound is epic heroic fantasy like. Dialed yeah. up to eleven. So, yeah, but yeah, I know, I know what you mean. Like, you look at you look at Second Edition, um, and you look at the forty K role playing games, and it's basically like, um, you can play one, you can play the rest. Yeah, yeah. they're all using they're they're using the same. Like, the, if you look at the characteristics, they more or less line up. They added perception as a characteristic and what Dark Harrison in yeah. Second Edition or something, but otherwise, it's like, um, I'm I'm talking like I know but this shit, <laughs> very very no very very little about forty K role playing, um, but I do know that and. Yeah, it is odd to see Cubicle Seven own the rights or have not own the rights that they um, that they have the rights to make role playing games across the Warhammer universe, and we have three different systems for all of them. It is it is kind of odd. Um, and again, Soulbound, I can I can appreciate Soulbound needing something else, but um, it is like I, I don't know, I don't know the the business decisions and why Wrath and Glory um, couldn't have had a different system being used when they picked up the license but maybe as part of the terms I don't know. But yeah, anyway. Yeah, we're getting we're we're delving off topic here. Um I think I think it's a takeaway from my perspective we've I've already said it which is I will continue to happily play fourth edition um but I do have no intention of becoming a rules master with it. Um so I my I think in fact the only time I will play fourth edition is going to be for our carrying company. Yeah. I think if somebody else has a really cool game idea I'll be like cool Cool game idea, mate. I'm don't like that sounds cool. Have fun with it, but um, I, I won't be playing it because
1: I think I'm yeah, the same. Yeah. I'd, yeah. I'd rather play something else. <laughs> now, here's the thing to be clear if you're still listening to us after all this ranting and raving, like it, the game didn't stop us having fun. Like, we still loved Carrying Company. Oh, no, and uh, 100% hope for the next one. It's not like we're going into the next one not liking it. Yeah, you know, and we we're only doing it because it's successful or whatever. Like we still enjoyed the game, but I think we enjoyed it despite these flaws, not not because of the yeah. system, right? Um and a big part of that is a testament to Sean. He's an amazing GM. I think he could make any game system fun to play. Um, but yeah, it's um yeah. Like for me. It's just a shame because I cared yeah. so much. If, if if this had been a completely different seating, I probably wouldn't be so harsh on it. But because it's my baby, I'm like, what have you done? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't
2: know. Same. I mean, when we started this podcast 2 years ago, like our very first ep- our very first episode, we asked each other about um Desert Island RPG. Yeah. And we both said 2nd edition Warhammer. Yeah. That was there was a bit of umming and aying and a little bit of discussion, but we both ended up saying that was our desert island RPG. Um, I'm not so sure that's still the case, but it would certainly be. I'd be hard pressed to think of. It's definitely one. short like, list. It'd be in yeah, the top definitely three. Definitely short
1: list. Yeah,
2: yeah, top three for me still. Like Simbroom would be up there. Um, Coriolis I love as well, but like th- those are probably my three. Those those three games, and you know the fact that Warhammer's still up there, I still love it as well. Liam loves it. And, yeah, this might sound – this whole episode might to you might sound like a massive nitpick um, because we're going to be going back and we're going to keep playing in it. It's like, well, if you hate it so much, why the fuck are you not demanding – like, it's our podcast. Like, we could just say to Sean, no, it's our podcast. We hate it. Play something. We're going to use a different system. Um, we're not doing that. We're, we're we're still engaging with it. We're still going to play it. We're not going to be doing tons of house rules. The house rules are going to be very small and probably the ones we've already been using. Um, Yeah. So you could look at this as just one massive nitpick, but you know we did review the game. We gave the the, the mechanics scores. Um, let me just look at that very quickly. i have got it open here. So mechanics, you gave it a four. I gave it a three point eight, which is above definitely above average. Four is like um, four is excellent, and five is like gold standard. Like if it's we haven't rated any game as having a mechanics of five. So if we've given a game a four or close to a four, that's basically us saying it's it's excellent. It's got a few things that we're not so sure about. Um, you know, or there's room for improvement. I think if we were to review that again, um mechanics would be much lower. I think I would be hard pressed to give it a three to be honest. So, yeah. Um <laughs> three being average. Like, okay, it's three is kind of good. Like this is this is like it's not better than average. It's not worse than average. It's kind of like it's it's got enough redeeming qualities that outweigh its flaws. And I think it might be a little bit on you know on the other side of the of that boundary somewhere
1: i agree i'd be going into two point something or other i think at this point yeah. um and also i think
2: which would which would make it our lowest rated game mechanically looking at the list nothing we've yeah. the, uh, the previous one had a three we've not rated anything under three on mechanics yet yeah. and this game for both of us there you have it would be below that so this mechanically would be our worst reviewed game Yep. Yeah. now and I um
1: think. i think i'd increase the crunch number as well
2: oh yeah okay. yeah we have it at four out of five
1: i think four and a half would probably be yeah. Definitely. So yeah, the crunch number would go up and mechanics would go down. Um, otherwise the rest of, I mean, it's still a five setting. It yeah. still looks great. Now that changes. Um, I think maybe utility might go down a bit as well, <laughs> um, but um, it's the utility wasn't great to begin with. Yeah. Um, but yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yep. So yeah, that's us done. I think we've, we've been harping on for over two hours now. Um, We've, our our, our uh, views are now very well known. <laughs> People can stop asking us, um, you know, what, what we think about fourth edition. We can now point you to this episode. And yeah, if you want to come back and you want to rip us a new one and tell us how we are completely grasping the wrong end of the stick. Have you not read this optional rule on page 267? First of all, I would say to you, fuck off. Second of all, I would say, no, I probably didn't read that rule. And third of all, yeah, whatever. I don't have a number three. We have
1: had um, we have had people join our Discord server and ask for our opinions on games before, when the opinions have shifted over time, and then get upset that like we reviewed something and said one thing, and then said something else. And in, in general, I feel like this is the most egregious example of that. However, I think <laughs> we've got a very good reason for that. You know, we've got this this experience.
2: Um, <laughs> that yeah. really. I mean, yeah. we've got we've got a 26, a 26 session campaign under our belt to actually, you know, give it. I mean, that's the ideal for reviewing a game. Ideally, yeah. you would have run an entire campaign with it, so you can see not just how the basic core mechanics work with like a one shot, um, which is what we try and do for every game we do. But you can actually see how the advancement works and see how some of the more advanced systems come into play. Um, so yeah, I think yeah.
1: See, it's yeah, interesting anyways. as well because like. I got to experience it a couple times because I get to re-listen to our stuff as I'm editing it, and even mm. re- going back with the benefit of having played the campaign and knowing some of those mistakes I was making and listening to them make those mistakes, I was still confused <laughs> at times. Like the skeleton fight, there was times there where I had no idea. Like I was really was not confident in what I was rolling, and even listening back to it. Coming along with it, I was not confident. <laughs> you know what I mean. So I think I've, I think mm-hmm. we've, we've got pretty good reason to go back and, and change, it, change it up. Um, yeah, and I stand by everything we've said today. So,
2: cool. Yeah, yeah. So I was being a little bit jokey there when I was saying to fuck off. Um, no, but fuck off. We will happily, <laughs> we will happily have a debate with um anyone. We're start your own uh, podcast. As anyone in our Discord will know. <laughs> but yeah, I mean. Our our views are known. So, if you do wanna, if you haven't interacted with us before and you wanna, you wanna reach out, um, we have all of our social media links on our website mbcast.co. So go there, and there will be links to everything. Um, Discord. We've been talking about Discord throughout this episode. We're on Discord, both of us, every day, interacting with. um, We've got like three hundred people now in it. Is that right? Um, Something crazy like that? Ridiculous amount. Yeah. Hold on. I'm just going to quickly look that up because I'm actually kind of curious. I think I've pinned We've it now in 200. 3, 314 there members, which includes like a, 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 like a handful of bots, but yeah. the two of us, but still over 300 members, which is pretty fucking awesome. Like there are a lot of people interacting with us on Discord. There's a discussion going on all the time, regardless of whether Liam and I are busy and maybe like one day one of us can't um, hop in there. It's a really great play- community. So if you're interested in kind of getting involved with that and talk, like, you know, interacting with us, highly 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 recommend looking at discord yes. um, and if you have if you've like me like the first time i interacted with discord i joined a video game server which had thousands of people in it and i quickly un- like stopped discord i was like <laughs> fuck this like what the hell have I? what the hell how can people keep up with this shit um, so i've since learned how to manage that and a big part of it is you can mute channels and stuff like that to kind of reduce the the amount of stuff so if, you're, if you've if you tried Discord in the past and you think and you've had that experience, I would encourage you to come back and try it. Um, I will or Liam and I, or I or the other people there will give you tips on how to mute things and make it a little bit less crazy in there. <laughs> and also, if you join in the middle of what seems like an
1: argument, we do that all the time. It's not actually. It's not actually <laughs> heated. We have a very passionate community. I had someone join the other day when there was an argument going on about racism and RPGs, and they haven't said anything since they joined. And I was like, "Oh, you poor motherfucker!" <laughs> yeah. Like it was not a heated argument, but it was like that's a hell of a moment to join. Yeah, exactly. And it was like, exactly. "Oh, okay." <laughs> it's um,
2: and I, I can't, I can't count the number of times people have said like. Um, mom and dad, please stop fighting because Liam and I are having a, a passion debate about something and getting worked up and probably one of us red in the face halfway around the world with the other one. But it's all good. That's like that's that's what makes it fun. Yeah. Um anyway, so yeah, that's that's the place to go, really. But we'll still interact with you if you send us a message on Facebook mm. or you tweet um something to us. Yeah, we're we're still on kind of all the, the normal places. Um so I'm I'm kinda s i am i am kind of I kind of moved into the outro, so I'll just keep going. Yeah. Go for it. <laughs> um we're on Patreon as well, so we have um, I think over seventy now. Is that right? Um, we have a lot members, supporters, yeah, something Unless like that. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that yeah, looks like seventy six patrons, which is incredible. Um, we started Patreon just over a year ago um, as a way of people like wanting to buy us a beer or coffee or whatever to to help support us, um, and it's kind of really exploded um, in terms of like what we were expecting from it. And um, we're really grateful for that. We're trying to give stuff back to our community there. So um, we do all sorts of stuff um, that tr- we try not to add too much to our plates because we're, we're busy, we're busy people. Um, but still try and do a little bit um, every month for the people that support us. So um, if you like what you hear and you want to like throw us a little bit of money, um, in ter- like our tiers are, are pretty small. We've got like a $2 tier, a $5 tier and a $10 tier and a $25 tier, which actually someone is, yeah. is using. Um, so we do have all sorts of options, and if it's just like you just want to buy us a coffee or something, the equivalent, then um, yeah, you'll get a little bit of something back. For yeah, that. yeah, um,
1: we have like Q and A's so. and rambles. We just put out questions yeah. for um,
2: just today. Actually,
1: put out questions for the next Q um, and yeah. A. call for questions. There's already been six questions. Um, so the next Q and A is going I to be seen busy. That yet. <laughs> <laughs>
2: we only had three last. Yeah, month, no, so next no, yeah. Q and A is going to be busy. Although just looking at it, five of those questions are from one person. Yep. They apologize. They said, sorry, I've been saving these up. <laughs> so it's, just,
1: we get we have some really good chats and our rambles are good too because you get to hear what sort of games we're buying with our own money and playing and, and what we're working on in the background and stuff. And, um, yeah, our patrons are a pretty cool little community. So um, feel free to come and join them. Uh, if not, I get it, man. Right now we're in a recession. Times are hard. We're all fucking struggling. I've been seriously looking at the patrons I support um and uh and wondering yeah, and, and thinking about cutting them down because i I've realized I've, I've let that build up and i can't quite afford it the way yeah. i used to so um same yeah. Here. yeah so um i get it if you're in that boat um and you happen to be a user of drive-through rpg we do have an affiliate code uh which is over on mbcast and will be in the show notes um that doesn't cost you anything extra, and we get a kickback off everything you buy on there. Um, and then that also has the added benefit of us being able to see what's being bought, so um, we can discuss that in our ramble. what's sort of what's coming and going, and what's popular, and and see what you guys are into. Um, and again, it doesn't cost you anything extra. So if you just happen to be buying stuff. Um, it's another way that you can support us if you wish. If not, hey, that's cool. You know, just liking our stuff, listening to us and coming and talking to us is all the support we really need. Uh, everything else is just a nice little extra and helps helps us all come together. Um, so, yeah, that's yeah. another way that
2: you can support us.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Music, I believe, is next. Is music next? Um,
2: yeah, we, we've usually been talking about what's coming next as well, like next week. Um I don't know we haven't actually come up with an idea for our we next week is gonna be cult, the next cult episode, mm-hmm. but um our next discussion episode we don't haven't kind of decided on that yet um it might be a return to the long dark night um or something else, yeah, we'll figure it out we've got we've got a little bit of time in fact, actually, we're meant to be recording that tomorrow or two day in two days' time, so we might have to push that back a bit, oh okay, um, yeah <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> oh fuck! I didn't realize yeah, it was supposed um, to be doing that so soon.
2: Um. <laughs> no, good. So yeah, we don't know yet, but it's it's probably it, it could it's probably either going to be like another GM toolbox episode because that had a lot of um, traction. Some people are very interested in that, or we're going to return to our um, game design series. Yeah, um, yeah, or maybe something else. So if you've got an idea, then hit us up on one of the social media links. Let us know if you think there's something you'd really like us to mm-hmm. do. Please don't recommend um, review titles because we're booked up all the way to the end of the year and into 2021 already um, and have interviews and stuff already down for that. Um, but yeah, music. Danheim is um, the musician we're using for our intro and outro. Um, he's awesome. D A N H E I M. You can find him on basically everywhere where you can find music YouTube, Spotify, Bandcamp, um, anything else. Um, yeah. Thanks for listening and we won't take up any more of your time. So take care. Yeah. Cheers. I don't know Bye.